And we live, live from the smokiest place in the world. It's Super Gamecast 2. Greetings. As you can see, Aaron has turned into an Asian. We don't know how that happened, but we'll keep you updated on his uh, progress. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is Anthony Ta. Hi, everyone. You, may, you guys may have seen me in past podcasts before. You may have. Uh, as a guest. As a guest. Occasionally for usually things, um, usually when there's like a big game that comes out that I have a lot to say about, Russell usually invites me to those. Yes. Or, um, or when we need a fourth person for a zombie game. Yes. Um, so... Uh yeah man, it's been a, it's been a good while. Uh, how you know we we got a show filled with informational news. Educate everybody on the world of video games and technology. Yeah, our mm-hmm. episodes tend to um, focus a lot on analysis, <coughs> um, predictions, information. Yep. So, uh, I guess occasional we'll... back joke or three. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll get started with uh, what I've been up to this week. Uh, bought a monitor. You did. I did. Uh, surprisingly good monitor. Like shocked. Like literally. So I've been shopping for a monitor because my work. So my work gave me a twenty-seven inch, one hundred forty-four hertz monitor, but. It's colors and look and everything was garbage. So I was just like, well, this will be my second monitor, whatever. Fine. Like, this is, you know, like, that's all I use for. But then my primary monitor was smaller than my secondary monitor, and it was driving my OCD fucking crazy. Like, just absolutely just bonkers. So I finally decided to say fuck it and go shop for a new primary monitor, but I, I didn't want to spend like more than three hundred dollars. And finding a good monitor under three hundred dollars—that's twenty-seven inches—is a challenge, as I found. <coughs> uh, most are like three fifty, four hundred, um, you know, all this other stuff. Like just really, really above and beyond what I was looking for. But then I was uh, browsing um, ratings.com, and I stumbled upon this Gigabyte model that was called the Gigabyte M27Q. Uh, And this is the most impressed I have been by a monitor or screen out of the box in a long time. So for 300 bucks, you get 1440p, uh, perfect color, like, like, so, like, I did not have to calibrate it out of the box. That is the, even my fucking $1,300 television, I had to calibrate it. This thing, no, just plugged and it looked great. Um, looked perfect. And it's 170 hertz, 1440p, for 300 fucking dollars. Like I feel like I robbed. Nice. I feel like I nice. robbed. I feel like I robbed and, someone. 
And you got this monitor, and so far, there's it's making no weird noises, no weird electrical or whining noises, no dead pixels, no defective pixels. Nope, been perfect. Just a good quality monitor out of the box. Yep. Well, the thing is, is like, so the question I have at this point is, you say it's Gigabyte, but is it an Aorus monitor? No, no, it is not. No, it is not. So I kind of, I, like, part of me thinks, like, well, because it doesn't say gaming monitor, does it say gaming monitor on the box? It does say gaming monitor. But it doesn't say Aorus. Okay, yeah, no. Aorus is like Gigabyte's um, gaming brand. I felt like that saved you $50. Maybe it did. Because. Because, you know, in an age where everything has to say gaming and everyone's trying to come up and everyone just basically has their own gaming brands. HP has Omen. Asus has Republic of Gamers. Um, uh, Dell has Alienware. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, and Corsair has, well, it's Corsair and then oh. they also bought Elgato. So, like, everyone has, like, their own gaming brand and apparently everything has to be RGB, say gaming, and have some kind of hyper cool, uh, edgy kind of marketing and, name which allows them to sell stuff at a higher price because it says gaming oh, on the side. it's like calling anything professional grade and fully adjustable stand fucking can go up or down in a big way love it turn it sideways do do it yeah, yeah. Uh, they uh i am unbelievably impressed by this fucking monitor uh i want to get two more like to do an entire desk of them it you're is. you're going you you gotta have to do like buy two like thirty nineties and run SLI. Um, just just four K across the entire thing. Yeah, there we uh, go. Fourteen fourteen forty p across the entire thing. Yeah, there you go. It's fun. It, it's really it's kind of crazy when you try to run two games at the same time. Um, um, because like because I used to do flight sim. Uh, I did some flight sim last year, and when you're in like a six hour flight on autopilot. Uh, you kind of want to play a second game while the thing's cruising along, so you know, not a not a responsible thing for a pilot to ever do. But you know, I'm sure there are pilots that do that with their switch or something. They probably would. I mean, you do have two pilots. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You never know. So so yeah, like generally, um, so generally was really impressed by that. Uh, and then. And I played some games on it, and that amplified another problem, though, because I went from a 1080p to a 1440p. Now, if I'm just playing games for the most part, it's fine. Occasionally, I need to drop down to high, but it's not, like, the end of the world. But when I am streaming, holy shit, it shits a chicken. That video card went from being a... That video card, that 1080, when you stream and play a game at 1440p at the same time, and the game has any type of intensity, it just goes, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like, I'm like, 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 back for blood. Like, when I tried with back for blood, it was like, ha, 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 uh, 17 frames. Best I can do. So, yeah, uh, not, not the, so that kind of, like, made the hunt for the video card that much worse. Um, I'm gonna be honest, depending on what my next bonus check is, I might just drive out to Sacramento and get that and pay the $1,100. Like, I, I'm, I'm at that point. Like, that's the, the like, so, um, 
She will not accept a compromise to stream quality. Um, I don't want to. Uh, like, I do not want to is the primary thing. Uh, and also, I actually looked up that card, and Zotac apparently just wants a grand for it. Or wants a grand for it anyway, so I'm like, there's a $100 markup. Mmm. Well... I mean, a hundred dollar markup isn't the worst price in the world for an over, like overclocked board partner card. Uh, it still sucks, and it really sucks that I'm paying four hundred dollars over the Founders Edition price. But that's the market we're in. Well, how bad do you want it? Basically, the question, right? Pretty bad, uh, especially now, and like because you know it, it's kind of like with any kind of like with any expensive buying decision. Are you willing to accept that this price? Because if it goes down afterwards, we're going to start hearing complaints. Everyone's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have bought it at that price. I should have waited." Um, I mean, like, I guess my thing is like, well, I got more time out of it. Da 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 da. But we're about to we we're one month away from hitting a year of not being able to buy a video card. Like, a year straight. And I'm at the point where I just don't give a shit anymore. Um, the only thing that's kind of stopping me is, like, well, if I can make it a whole nother year, I can get a 4,000 series and make the jump go even bigger. And actually have a shot at maybe getting one at MSRP. Uh but there's a lot of there's a lot more people thinking the same thing that you are right now. No, for sure. No. And wait, my was will be just as long. Um, no, you want. Also, I think the video that we could do of, hey, here's the jump from a 1080 to a 4080. Check this out. Uh, um, like I I would love to see that jump. Um, hmm. yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, look. When you do that jump, it is always super fun, right? Like when you do like a big technology. like a month for a month, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, it's just you know, granted, it's primarily visual eye candy until you get used to it and it becomes normal, right? Because uh, you know, when, when like you know, for me, like big graphics jumps would be like you know when I got my Xbox 360 and played Oblivion for the first time, right? No, you or you, or Silent Gear Metal, seeing Metal Gear Solid Four. Uh, going from poverty video cards to a mid-range 550 Ti in 2011. Going from a 550 Ti to a 970 with The Witcher 3. That was a great jump. Um, mm -hmm. It's great eye candy for a month. And then after a while, it kind of it becomes normal. Because it's what you see every day when you turn your computer on no, and play no, a game. No, absolutely. So, like, the jump is fantastic. And then you start thinking about, oh, man. Like, you know, it, it, I think, like, in the past... Like, but when I went from... 970 brief moment with the RX 550 because the, the 970 caught fire. Uh, going mm -hmm. to a 2070, it wasn't really quite as of huge of a jump because really it was kind of more like I went forward like a generation and a quarter. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, the, the, the the 20 series was, it had it, it was a lot like the 10 series with maybe 5% more improvement and first gen ray tracing. Um, uh, the big the, the, the big 
the big selling point of the RTX, the early RTX cards was first gen ray tracing. And even then, second gen ray tracing is way faster. So those cards are just in a weird spot right now. They're valuable still because of the. They're, they're valuable only because there's kind of nothing else. Yeah, there, there's nothing else. That's why they're valuable. But like first gen ray tracing, yeah, you're not really getting great frames still. Um, uh, you know, but every, everything kind of starts on that path. But the eye candy is amazing. I, well, this is any technology uh, too. I like. I remember but the thing is, it's like yeah, but you know, it's just like in the last ten years, I haven't really felt that I've really played a game that has moved gameplay or sound design. Well, I don't have surround sound headphones, so I can say on sound design, but like the gameplay front doesn't feel like it has moved very much in the last ten years. Everyone's trying to make a bigger world, trying to make those far drawing distances even farther. Uh, but it, it, it's a lot of marketing I can't last. Do that, and I okay, kinda, and I kind of felt like I haven't played a game that. Okay, okay, last, all right, so last 10 years, so 2011 onward. Um, Portal 2. That was nice. Breath of the Wild. Um, maybe, maybe what I'm actually trying to say is something that pairs the crazy eye candy with like a gameplay improvement. Oh God! Because uh, hmm. I would play Halo Five, and I'd be like, "Yeah, you could kind of make this in a Halo Three engine a little bit." Most of it, I think. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a game that like like MMOs haven't really moved. MMOs, or at least the good ones. The good, good ones haven't really moved. Good MMOs, even Final Fantasy fourteen, are still copying the shit out of World of Warcraft. Yes. Um. And so it's like they're fucking like time locked, um, you know. Like I look at like shooters are doing interesting things, but not like visually advancing all that much. Titanfall did do some kind of cool things, if I'm honest. Titanfall did some cool stuff. Yeah. Um. Because, like, because, like, while World of Warcraft has some like some really good gameplay concepts, we didn't really, uh, it, like people like it, the massive scope got kind of a little lost over the years. It did, and and like as technology, and granted, like you know, WoW has kind of the excuse of of working with a very old game engine. That's kind of okay. Final Fantasy is kind of a little stuck in 2013, but it's kind of like. For all the gra- graphical prowess and faster, like it wasn't until recently with the PS5 and Xbox One when they're finally trying to figure out these, trying to eliminate load times completely with Ratchet. That's that, like that, that's like that experience game. paired with with it, with a huge advancement in tech, and it's just kind of like, well, I, you mean every time I open the door, I don't have to load anything? Yeah, Ratchet is impressive. I know you haven't got to try it yet, but like, like that was a little bit of a glimpse of that. Wow, technology yeah. paired with a gameplay experience. Yeah, yeah, I will say that Ratchet and Spider Man, Spider Man Miles Morales in particular, because it's specifically for PS Five, does this stuff with loading to where, like in previous Spider Man, you'd exit the building, you get a loading screen where he just literally just webs his way out of the vent, and the city's there instantly. And it, it, that it, it it's 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 subtle, but it's it really helps you stay immersed. Yes, but, like it keeps you. And then Ratchet. So who knows? Like with this uh, next generation, we'll probably finally see like SSD in combination with 4K 60 frames. 
mm-hmm. uh, or 1440p 60 frames do some kind of amazing, you know, enha- like greatly enhances your gameplay experience beyond the eye candy. Right. Um, no. Beyond well, beyond be, beyond the the audio, uh, behind you know behind the audio mixing, beyond the visual eye candy. It's like okay, no SSDs now. Imagine the fact that you open the door and walk outside, and you don't have to wait for a single thing ever again. Or so they're claiming, and I, that's why Ratchet. I was just like, they just basically jumped like three different, entirely different environments. Yeah, absolutely. With zero with with zero load time, no stutter. You know, and no, none of this awkward, like, in, uh, say, Mass... Like, you, if you remember Mass Effect 3, you would collect a door, and you used to see Commander Shepard standing there trying to bypass the door. You could tell they put that filler there, because there's something... There's a scene trying to load behind that door. Well, it's just like how Metroid um, Prime has that as well. Like, you shoot the door, and it goes... Uh, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, there, there's a hesitation. The, like, the door doesn't open, like, right away, and they try to come up with some excuse, like, oh, the door needs to be bypassed, and... Yeah, it's 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 that a kind of stuff. Like you gotta walk through the scanner and walk through it correctly. It's like you know you gotta walk through an airport scan. You have to walk through airport security because your plane is busy loading at the gate or something like that. Um, um oh well, but you know I'm looking forward to it. It's just kind of like we spent a lot of time where there was like a lot of fascination with eye candy, but like you know, a Western RPG hasn't really changed very much. They like they were shoving more quests, but it's just quantity, yeah. quantity guy. Um, MMOs, they have the excuse of living in game engines that have been around for a very long time, so there's limitations there. Um, so, but, you know, hey. And, you know, and Xbox One and PS4 were kind of, like, very safe choices for the time that they were created and existed in. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see, you know? Like, yeah, like, it's the first time in a while. And then, uh, I re- so I played a shooter this week that actually felt fairly fresh, though. Yeah. Uh, and it was called, it's called Splitgate. It is a free-to-play shooter, and it is dope as hell. So the tagline on their website is Portal Meets Halo. Oh. Okay. Watch your back. (laughs) What? Watch your back, watch your sides. Yep. You just never know when someone's going to come out from a random direction, right? So you can't portal on any wall, but you can portal on a lot of walls. And it's just really funny to, like, be in a firefight, right? be in a firefight and like see someone to have portal like portable surface behind them shoot a portal behind them get into cover shoot a portal on your cover and then just shoot him in the back um it, it it's fucking beautiful um yeah. uh so there there's that uh there's uh there's like i i love creating the cir- as i call it the circle uh, which what the circle is is that is me and, is where like there'll be like a pillar there'll be like a pillar right and on this pillar it it's all sides of it you can put a portal on right right okay and uh, all sides of it you put a portal on and what I'll do is I'll put a portal on the side next to me and then run around the corner and put a portal there, and when the guy runs around the corner to chase me, go through the portal, and we just do a circle. It's a little just circle. Just dude, me behind him, him behind me, just woof, 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 until one of us kills each other. Usually I kill him, because I actually understand what's going on. (laughs) Um, Or just like, you see a dude, or like you have a sniper, 
You see a dude uh, jumping down, shoot a portal on a ramp behind in front of you, one of where the dude's going to land, and then he gets fucking cratered up into the air and just, boom, snipe him. Um, it's so fucking good. It's so goddamn good. Um, I will say they just straight up, like, they took, the only thing they didn't take from Halo is the name Slayer. They took every other game type name. SWAT, Oddball, VIP, King of the Hill, Domination. Um, they did add one new game mode, though, called Teabag Confirmed. When you, when you kill an enemy to score, you have to go over to you and teabag them. And then if your teammates get killed, you have to teabag them to make sure the enemy doesn't get a point. Um, okay. Yep. Guess. It's just a, is that something. Is it like I haven't played shooters in a very long time? Is this something people still do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because like that kind of game mode, I would think like this sounds like a really 2009 kind of thing. This game uh, is, uh, if not for its weird, unique thing, I don't think this game would be any traction. But because of its weird, unique portal thing, it is fucking ridiculous just you see some of the people playing this game and some of the stuff they're doing on twitter and you're like how in the fuck did you do that um like gotcha um gotcha yeah so highly recommend it uh definitely a must play if you like a good competitive shooter uh you and i put some more time in the back for blood though we did. Uh, we were doing the closed beta last week, again. Yep. Uh, and uh, a couple few days ago, a couple days ago, we uh, we we did the open beta. That which we also did, and we did. I like the game a lot, and it is. And I do want to say that it is a beta. So it is a beta. It is a beta. It is a beta. So this all this shit could change, and I could and like all the shit could change or be different in two months. But as much as I like the gameplay and the maps and the layouts and everything, I think a lot of the time I am still going to go back to Left 4 Dead. Um, and a lot of it does have to do with, as I was saying during the stream, um, which a lot of our audience on both of those don't cross over, so, uh, which is... Uh, which is, it, a lot of it has to do with personality. Like, Left 4 Dead just seems to have a lot more personality. Like, you get the film grain and the movie posters and the characters all seem more defined, you know, uh, versus, um, versus Back for Blood, which is, I don't know, it just feels fine as far as the personality of the characters is concerned. Like, it's like, yeah, that they're, they are people that I would expect in a zombie apocalypse. Yep. Yep. Diverse backgrounds came from once normal lives. Zombie apocalypse happens. Fighting for survival. Get oh. from point A to point B. The horde is back. All that stuff. Uh, what are they called again? The ridden this time? Yeah. The ridden. Versus the infected. Uh, oh how yeah. Many, how many how many terms do we have for zombies so far? We've got walkers. We've got 
and zombies. And instead of the survivors, were the exterminators. Because we're, we're, we're the cleaners, sorry. Uh, and we're, yeah. we're supposed to go around taking out, uh, you know, taking people, you know, take stuff out. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, and then also, uh, and this is something that they very well could add and, you know, just isn't in yet. But, like, in Left for Dead, when you threw a pipe bomb, limbs would go fucking everywhere. And, like, you shoot enemies, their heads would explode. Uh, that hasn't been the case in this. And that is also, and, like, it's, once again, it's a, it, nothing about this game from a gameplay standpoint am I mad about. Like, it's like, oh, yes, this is where how Left 4 Dead would probably evolve. You're correct. Uh, it's just, it, it's all presentation stuff that I'm not happy about. Um... And, you know, presentation matters. The personality thing I can understand because, uh, like, I was playing through it and it's a beta. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we don't, I don't really know the backstories of these characters we're playing. We just got me straight into a co-op session. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and Left 4 Dead, when we're playing on a normal server and not a modded one, Yes. Uh, stuff that I remembered is you would have moments where we are cautious as we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because to be alone is very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you came across a witch. Mm-hmm. Any one of us who goes around the corner and sees a witch were just like, don't do a thing. And when mm-hmm. you disturb the witch, we all panic. Mm-hmm. And get angry at each and get angry at whoever disturbed the wish. In in Back for Blood, we were kind of just running off in our own little different directions. Even though, like you know, you could still get downed, you could still get killed uh, somewhat easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, the consequences just don't seem quite as uh, intense. Uh, could be the difficulty setting, but instead of a witch, we have crows, which is it's just a bunch of birds. Don't don't disturb the crows, and you and if you disturb the crows, a horde just shows up. You don't have like this witch that's gonna go and destroy your party by herself, right? Um, so like, and so like, obviously, once we get the fit level figured out, and we are a little more corny, we're just blasting through these levels, <laughs> and 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 we're just like, cool, nice job, guys. We blast through. All right, moving on. We 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 weren't really talking much about anything like stupid that happened. We weren't really talking much about. Um, you know, the, the enemies, we kind of feel like we've already seen before. Once we figured out a decent name for them, I just call them Big Arm, Big Vomit, Spitters. Uh, the consequences don't seem quite as intense. The stories don't seem to be quite as crazy. Um, uh, you accidentally shut the door on someone, you can reopen the door. Kind of. Yes, yeah, like almost immediately uh, yeah. versus like waiting. Yeah, and... like, you know, freaking like, yeah. Um, and like, it, it's, and Left 4 Dead was kind of a little crazy, a little silly at times too, but not when, but only when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you know, like you have the craziness of like doing the rock band stage, uh, you know, the rock concert stage. That was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and back, and back for blood. Yeah, we pull the lever and we need to get this mountain of gravel sand and we're having a little fun doing that, but it's kind of like the standard push button defend from horde move forward the only moment in that beta that stands out to me and granted we haven't seen the last uh the last level 
we've only seen the second to last, is the boat thing. The boat level where you have to plant two bombs on that boat and then get back off the boat was very unique and interesting and had a and was very much something that like I I was down with. You know. Like that 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 was something I was very much into versus you know, like Left for Dead, I can tell you lots of stuff. I can tell you waiting, you know, the, I can tell you exactly how to do the barn survival thing. I can tell you about the rock show. I can tell you about the fucking corn maze. I can tell you about, you know, the the hard rain. You know, like uh, you know, the gas the gas canister, the gas canisters with the the mall and the zombies. Um and this is built in a very different way because of the cards and like they're trying to add, you know, like okay, yeah, they, they don't they can't build exact clone, um, but you know, it's all beta. Right. Who knows? It's only Act One. You know, who knows what the end of Act One was? We, I don't think we we haven't reached the end of Act no, One. No, no, no. And, and with I, the at least when I was there. So like did, you know, it's just all like it's the very beginning. But I kind of think like, well, if it was the beginning. I kind of would like it to be. It needs a good hook. Well, like if you have Act One, it needs a good hook. And so well, far, I'm like versus like know, like what was it's the, just a in Left for Dead Two? You had um, the hook was the hospital level, and that level's fucking good as fuck. Uh, like uh, they didn't have to like I don't I don't remember the hospital level, but like they didn't have to show you any story for it to be good, right? No. Like like when Bad for Blood comes out, like there could be a story that they're gonna show you at the beginning before Act One starts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can get more invested there because like as I understand, like, you know, it's a beta. It's it's testing gameplay, testing servers, uh finding bugs. Um so like everything we're getting, like maybe it does feel bad because we don't have context mm-hmm. of the story and it's just a testing session. That's what it is. And I know some QA for them. And the thing is, is we had a discussion like where people are like, "Well, why is this being so hard compared so hard to Left 4 Dead?" Well, it's like, well, it's made by the Left 4 Dead people. It's back for blood, you know. Like they're kind, you know, and like they're, you know, they're kind of inviting the comparison, you know. And uh, you know, I I hope I I think it's gonna be a good game. Um, but I also think that I'm still going to be returning to Left 4 Dead. Um, Left 4 Dead is fine if they, uh, if we, if we don't go on a modded server. Yeah, no. Because, because uh, last time I remember, things just got really funny and weird. Were you, did, were you there um, last, what, last weekend when we did, or the last time we did a session? I mean, it depends. I don't know. It's been a long time. Because I believe that they, yeah, okay, so, so no, you create, so you do only official dedicated servers and create a lobby now, so you don't end up in modded servers now. That's good. Um, yeah, um, I will yeah, say, yeah like, no, we, things are, I want to, well, since we've been talking a little bit about things we are kind of a little mad on, mm-hmm. uh, things I do like about Back for Blood, uh, weapon, weapons customization is a little nice. Sometimes um, ridiculous. Sometimes, uh, like you could have, <laughs> you would just have a regular pistol, and you can put a hollow sight, a silence, a suppressor, an extended mag, and it just looks so ridiculous. Um, 
Other things we like, well, uh, let's see, whenever Bronson gets jumped by a sleeper, it's funny. That is funny. Uh, you just hear you just see him crying for help over over comms, and we're just like, what what <laughs> what gives? Oh, uh, Lordy. Um, um what you you requ- you need coordination to make it through a level. Once we got coordinated, it probably was a little too yeah. easy, but once it but, yeah, because it does have random generation like Left for Dead, but not as much. Like Left for Dead randomizes the birds, all like the, like the birds move to a different area. This door is no longer your toolkit door. Items, um, but again, you know, we were playing on normal difficulty, so naturally it would become a little too easy, right? Well, I mean, we also play figured it out. We also do normal on Left for Dead, so I mean, you know. Um, well, um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Um, coming out in October, which is your typical zombie game launch window. Yep. So. And it's, uh, yep. And it's going to be on game pass as well. So there you go. Oh, uh, good. Oh, good. Very nice. Um, game pass continued to be an mm-hmm. undeniably ridiculous value. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this week alone, we got Hades. We got Hades this wow. week. We got Luminous Remastered, Katamari Damacy Reroll, Curse of the Dead God, and Boyfriend Dungeon. That last game it's is weird, but anyway. The title. Um, And then also, there's some other stuff on consoles we got that I, I haven't checked yet. Okay. Um, But yeah, no, okay. it's... Every month, tons of great ass games. Yeah, and they also put out an amazing commercial this week as well. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, back for blood. Uh, I finished Mass Effect One in that trilogy, and that uh, on that Unreal trilogy. Unreal trilogy or the the fucking. Legendary edition. Legendary edition, thing. yeah, the the updated one. Um, okay, well, with uh, all the years of hindsight and retrospective and whatever else, what do you think of Mass Effect One? That game has really fucking good presentation, like really good presentation. It understands what it is. Um, it is. And that and that is one of the best parts about it, like it nails old timey sci fi. Uh, that said, um, I think even with the updates to gameplay, it does not play super great. Um, in fact, several points I was very very frustrated with it. Um, as from a gameplay standpoint, um, so that was a thing. Um, and yeah, that's the, and you know, I I think it's a good game, but very similar to like when I play Uncharted 1, like it's like very similar to Uncharted 1. It's like, okay, this is the one we have to get through. Let's just get it done. Um, versus like really loving it. Like I enjoy, I really love parts of it. But not the whole game. So I finished. Um, I finished Mass Effect Three mm-hmm. in the trilogy uh, uh, earlier last, uh, like middle of last week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's really strange because my opinion seems to have changed a lot from the last time I went from Mass Effect 1 through 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe about two or three years ago. Uh, back then, I said Mass Effect trilogy is still the best trilogy I have ever experienced in my is all is is still the best trilogy I've ever experienced in my entire life. Just a little bit short of the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, now my opinion of it is yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I think a lot of it is because I've gotten kind of tired of um, I just kind of let go. I've just decided, like, okay, well, it exists as it is. I've said everything a million times already. And playing through it, I actually got a little more observant of the Mass Effect games. Mass Effect 1 is still that magical experience. I, I, that's every bit of, I love it just about every bit of, as much as I did back in 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, 2009, whatever. Uh, it doesn't play very good. Uh, it's got awkward shooting controls, awkward RPG stuff. There's a lot of walking around. Uh, but that's okay. I, I was still like I was still exploring every single system in that game, um, scanning every single planet, uh, walking around a citadel. It's freaking amazing. Mass Effect Two feel Mass Effect Two is rather basic. If I'm honest, it doesn't quite have that mysterious feel that Mass Effect One had, and it's kind of more of like your standard point A to point B. You've got a mission. You you blow up the collect. Uh, you blow up the base at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just gonna spoil everything at this point because the game's been out for like <sighs> ten. The years. series has been out for yeah, like Mass Effect Three came out like eight, eight years ago. I'm just gonna spoil nine it. years ago. I thought we about nine yeah. years ago. Yeah, nine years ago. 2012. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably about right. It came out March 2012. Yeah, so like Mass Effect Two was just kind of like your standard point A to point B. Uh, it, it, in a way, I kind of think of it as sort of like an MCU movie. Like a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you know who the bad guy is. There's a couple plot twists in between, but honestly, it's not like in Mass Effect One where you were like discovering this new world. There's this air of mystery, and Mass Effect One of the best things Mass Effect One did with this presentation is you like you can really feel the emptiness of space. Mm-hmm. Humanity finds it, it, it's a dark place. You know, there, there's not a lot of bright spots. But in Mass Effect Two, everything's well lit. Everything's familiar. Um, you have this massive roster of characters, and with your character, it's like go do their loyalty mission, and, and uh, they'll make sure you don't die as long as you make your correct uh, team choices at the end. Right. Kind of rather simple. Uh, Mass Effect Three, um, still good, but maybe I don't quite love Mass Effect Two as much as I did back in the day. Um, I'm very curious to see if I'm going to come out of this game the same way yeah. whenever I get to Mass it. Mass Effect Three. Mass Effect 3, with all of its DLC in the Legendary King Edition, I appreciate it more than I used to. Uh, but the but the stuff that I get annoyed at is the same. That that game, that, that game, if you experience it now versus like then, is an entirely different experience. Like, well, the thing is, is I experienced this game with all its DLC as recent as 2016. I think. The Leviathan. So I was already, wait, I was already on, playing on. with all the DLC back. Then. Hold on, Leviathan included. Leviathan. By 2016, everything was already released. I uh-huh. bought all the DLC for that game. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I was playing. So it, it was just that I, I think, like I think, what was well, I think what was clouding my viewpoint at the time is that I was just so hooked and invested in Mass Effect One and Two that I that I that I wanted to believe that Mass Effect Three was better than it really actually was. 
Um, and there were some things that Mass Effect 3 did really well, and there were some things that, in hindsight now, shows me that it, it, it was following trendy things for its age. I, I will say things that... I love, like, things I absolutely love about Mass Effect 3, if you include all the DLC in it. The conversation system is amazing. You can do just about any combination of team, and they, and they thought out the dialogue. Like, they kind of did in Mass Effect 1. Mass Effect 2, it didn't do that. In Mass Effect 2, you may have noticed, like, your squad members, they would just kind of, like, walk around silently pushing buttons. Like, they were just kind of, like, basic animation, but you could tell they didn't record a line for that character in that situation. Meanwhile, I freaking bring Javik onto, you know, uh, the Protean onto my shuttle, and Rex is just like, who's that? Protean. <laughs> I don't know if your ship is a freak show or whatever, and just, like, you can have all these combinations of dialogue, and so sometimes I would just reload a save file to to see the new combination of dialogue for it. Mm -hmm. So that's something I didn't really think about at the time, but that part's amazing. Uh, a lot of stuff in the middle is amazing. Javik, of course, is awesome. The Geth Corian thing is amazing. Um, Grandson McCaddy's fine. You know, it's everyone's getting back together. I so here, here's the, <sighs> the thing. The parts. Yeah. The, the thing about this Legendary Edition that I'm going to find very fucking interesting when I eventually get around to going on Reddit and whatnot about it is there's going to be a whole bunch of people who never played Mass Effect 3. Because that, that's always the case, right? There's going to be a whole bunch of people who have never played and, Mass Effect 3. Yeah. And they're going to say, what was the huge deal? Yeah, like, the, 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 you very much... What very, was the big... Like, why, like why, this, this was what everybody was flipping out about in 2012? Like the, the, the why problem is the problem is it, the problem is the context. Well, well, not you played the game with all the stuff added to it, yeah, like or or plugged into it. I yeah, say. I was gonna say like the fucking the horrible learning curve we had to go through to get to that point, but we did finally. You know, like the the fucking nightmare learning curve that was here. Have this party member who is essential be part of a pre-order bonus. And the thing is, maybe I appreciate Mass Effect 3 more at the moment because I have Javik with me on almost every mission. Oh, of course. That guy enhances your entire, ex almost the entire experience of that game. Yes, he does. No matter, no matter who your second party member is. Because previously, I never had Javik on because when I first played the game, I didn't have that piece of DLC because I didn't feel like buying day one DLC. No, no one no, did. No, that, that was just not, that was not a big thing at the time. I would just have Liara and Garrus with me all the time. So few uh, people had that character. Right. And he was like the same... And at the same time, you could tell that... Playing with that guy in the game now, you could really tell that they actually intended... It, it felt like he was supposed to be a character that was supposed to come with the game. Y yes. But they, had to, but, they had to, but they had to cut something out for the paywall, apparently. They did. Because, because his conversations integrate with the game so well as if they designed him to be as part of the, the original game from day one, and then they were like, yeah, you know what? We don't like them people playing these used games. Lock them behind a pass, or something like that. No, 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 he was... Well, well they, they, they locked the multiplayer, but he was like, you have to pay for him. He, he was a pre-order bonus. It's, 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 you, I forgot with who, but he was a pre-order bonus. Uh, oh, God, that... Um, that, uh, that brings back bad bad memories. Yeah, no, that, and then, he was a pre-order bonus, wasn't he? Yeah, so so no, he was a pre-order bonus, and then you have Leviathan, which makes which if you've ever played Leviathan, 
it makes that game's ending a thousand times more tolerable. The uh, thing is, that game needed three different pieces of DLC to make that ending more tolerable. Yeah. Um, and w- okay, one of them was because they... Uh, I mean, okay, so... I'll just say this right now. Even with everything included in, the Mass Effect 3 RGB ending is still a bummer. Yeah. Um, if it's, any, it's, still not, it's still not nearly as, like... Bad it's not. A, it's not a gigantic plot hole mess. Actually, there was there even enough to make a mess. It wasn't like this enormous plot hole of a, uh, yeah, just pick a color and be done with it kind of thing that happened with with the very original release of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's still a bummer because the journey was so good, and then it just kind of was like pick a color and everything is happily ever after. There was a Racevic video on this. Um, where he said that because they did that happily ever after kind of RGB ending, mm-hmm. they had to do a drama. They had to go to another galaxy because things ended up too peachy and perfect in the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. It went full Mary Sue. Everything's happily ever dramatic. So you have to go to Andromeda to start a new story. And then, of course, you know, we know how that game went. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that video said, you know, they have to confront the ending that they made, the choice, the 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 choice, the consequences of the choice the development team made. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's a bummer. You pick red, okay, cool. Uh, Shepherd's a Reaper, happily ever after. You pick the middle ending, the green ending, uh, cool. Uh, you know, synthesis and organic, uh, synthetics and organics become to you know kind of go in a single framework, and they're happily ever after. Pick red, Reapers destroyed. Uh, all synthetics destroyed. Happily ever after. My I'm favorite a- ending from that game is when you choose to do nothing. When you choose to do nothing, the cycle is complete, and you see this little device that Liara was working on telling the future, please be aware of the Reapers. That is my favorite ending from that game. Not so much because... Let's take a break! A little oh, hiccup there. boy, that was one heck of a crash you had there. It did. It literally, I was literally just sitting there, and it was just like, nope, frozen time. Uh, I saw your frozen screen for like the entire three... I was like ranting for three minutes and not looking at my screen and then I looked and you're, you were frozen I was like, oh no. Um, Disconnect. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That was that. Was that. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. Um, but we're back now. Yep. Okay. Are we ready to continue? Continue your rant, Anthony. Continuing my rant. Okay. Okay. I did... You had like a thought or two that you said for like the Mass Effect Three RGB ending. Oh yeah. Okay. So. Um. So, like, okay. So in hindsight, it was just. Well, it's still a bummer because the journey was good, but in the end, it was just a you picked your color and it was happily ever after. There was a race big video where. It, things were so happily ever after in the Milky Way that Mass Effect had to go to the Andromeda Galaxy to write something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know how that turned out. The game turned out pretty mediocre. But and you, you pick blue, Shepard's in control of the Reapers, everything's happily after after. You, you, you pick the green version, you know, Synthesis, happily ever after. You pick red, Reapers destroyed, happily ever after. They gave you even a slideshow that told you everything was happily ever after. Um... 
And they did that slideshow at the end where it's like, and you're just like, okay, that whole thing about the indoctrination indoctrination theory, yeah, that wasn't gonna work out. If anything, that was probably that probably would have been very interesting because it's like if the indoctrination theory is true, you could have like done a next series of Mass Effect games where Commander Shepard has fallen to the Reapers. Damn it, what do we do now? That would have been interesting. Um, my oh, you froze again. No, I'm no, you're fine. Okay. Well, you were very on. still, and I'm like, oh, no. My favorite <laughs> ending of Mass Effect 3 is when you choose to do nothing. Um, when you choose to do nothing, the cycle is complete. Uh, you know, you lost to the Reapers, and you get and you see the scene of where Liari has this little device where she's trying to warn the next future race of the incoming Reapers. That one was interesting to me because, you know, it closes the story of Commander Shepard while also, like, the world moves on in this state of... You know, oh no, you know, we, we still got a problem that we got to solve. Like, it it felt like things could still continue, also bringing closure to the current journey. Whereas, like, everything's happily after after shuts everything down. Mm. Um, it's still a bummer. And, like, you have the Leviathan DLC. Hey, guess what? You now know where the Reapers came from and you understand them a little better. Okay. Uh, hey, we got uh, a free story DLC because everyone was so angry they shoved that out for free. Uh, and then you had Citadel, which was kind of a, you know, funny little, you know, farewell party to Commander Shepard and the party members. So it was just, why do people care so much about endings? Well, everyone was talking about Game of Thrones until it ended. That not many people talked about it anymore. It's like the journey is great, but that's kind of like, you're basically like the Buffalo Bills, though. Mm-hmm. You could be great. You made it. You you made it to the end stage, constantly. But you know what everyone keeps talking about? They don't talk about how they don't really talk about your highlight being how you made it onto that on, onto the Super Bowl four times. All they ever talk about is wide right and how you lost four times. When you don't end well, it sticks out really bad. That's just how apparently how we humans look at it. So. Uh, that rant wasn't as good as the three minutes I went on with you, Frozen. But, uh, the Mass uh, Effect 3, it's... And, and and other things I would rant about that game in hindsight, and now that I looked at it more closely. The middle is good. Geth and Corian's awesome. Uh, going to Thessia, kind of awesome. Cerberus going crazy? Okay, you know, that, that brings an element of mysteriousness, like, back from Mass Effect 1. Why the heck are they doing this also? And what is going on? What is the elusive man up to? Um... The beginning and end, trendy, trendy, Molly Moody, tell you BS. Mm-hmm. You know, fire the missiles uh, on your six, go to checkpoint alpha. Um, that game shows, it shows the real, it, it, it's the one that shows the most obvious things that were trendy in 2012. Mm-hmm. It had a multiplayer mode, which actually worked okay. But if you wanted to get your galacticness readiness up to like 80%, which gives you like the best sequence of events you needed to play the multiplayer. No, you did not. Uh, you just had to 100% the game like I did. <laughs> 100% the game or play the multiplayer to boost it. Yeah, see, I have okay. Um, I, But go on. Yeah, other trendy bullshit. The online uh, pass. Yeah, the online pass, you had a lot of focus on Earth. Like, if military, like if military BS was a lot about... I don't know. It just kind of that was that was when like Mass Effect has swung the pendulum a little bit too much towards the mainstream art. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, every, everyone's personality's got a little... The bravado was a little more intense. It was, it was noticeably more intense. You would have characters that would normally be reserved or grouchy, and all of a sudden you have Rex that just like, Oh, yeah, Shepard, I'm going to make one-liners while also making dumb jokes, because that's totally who Rex was in the previous two games. Because Rex in Mass Effect 1 was a grumpy old man who was pretty much given up on his kind. Mm -hmm. um, and he's a mercenary. In Mass Effect 2, he still kind of has like that grumpy calm personality but now he's trying to figure out how to lead the future but then in mass effect 3 he's become like this bold brash out there i'm gonna charge in and you know how does somebody change like how does somebody change in that direction in six months especially when you're as old as rex my my um my issue liara liara i could kind of understand garris is eh. it's just the characters just don't quite seem entirely Right. And I think a lot of it is because the writing team is not the same as it was in the first two games. I think my bit, like, that game at the time, even from a, like, outside the game standpoint, was like a, oh, here's how you do everything everyone hates. We're gonna do an online pass, we're gonna lock some cool-ass shit behind a pre-orders bonus, or a collector's edition, uh, we're gonna have tons of DLC... Uh, and the DLC is going to be needed to help the game, like, make sense. Like, it's it's like a giant list of, like, what not to do. Yeah. Again, very trendy things for the time. That was, uh, that was like, you know, Dragon Age 2 and Mass Effect 3 to me were the giant warning flags of EA's influence on Bioware. The, you know, your classical megacorp comes in and tells you, you need to do this. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, yes, we understand that you have creative vision, but we want you to do this. We kindly ask you to do this. Would you come? Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just like. I didn't really think much of Javik at the time, but after looking at the game now, it's like, oh my goodness, this game was designed with Javik as part of the story from the beginning, and they basically had to find a way to cut him out. Yeah. And put him behind a $10 paywall. Or a, you know, deluxe or collector's edition bonus. Mm hmm Exactly. Gameplay is the most mainstream. Uh, it doesn't have any of the RPG weirdness. It's basically a kind of standard third-person shooter with uh, some power-ups with points. I'm actually kind of happy um, about that because, like... Yeah, Mass Effect 3, like, the, the gameplay of Mass Effect 3 is probably the best, although it's still kind of, it still has a little bit of blandness to it. Mm -hmm. It's not like a Mass Effect 1 where it's all weird and tries to do all this RPG stuff on top of the shooting. It's not like a Mass Effect 2 where they oversimplified it. Um, Mass Effect 3's gameplay is uh, quite responsive and the pace is pretty good. Um, and they just have in a lot of weapons and upgrades you can do. And you can't buy them all at once. But, um... mm -hmm. but that's Mass Effect 3. Uh, you know, it's it's something that I talk about all the time, think about, like, you know, whenever somebody brings up a story-related game, I'm always like, you know, that's good. that's how big of an impact that game had, that trilogy had at its time. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a combination of, this is the best a, a story-driven game can be, but it also can be the best way to piss everybody off on how great a story-driven game can be. Um, so, like, people flipping out about Star Wars, about the Star Wars sequel trilogy, that was kind of not new, because, you know, we were seeing people just get up in arms about, you know, 
No joke. Stories stories can get people emotionally invested in, in in media, and when the story is really good, man, it is just so hard to keep going. Um. So and some of the Mass Effect details were just kind of weird too because uh, it the lead writer and lead music composer from one and two were no not were not there for three. That's why Mass Effect 3 doesn't seem to quite have as great of a soundtrack in the background. Sometimes you would hear just some really cheesy, generic, patriotic music or, oh, just write up some piece of music of, you know, how heroic Admiral Hackett looks when he gives his speech to the fleet. And it's just like, but Jack Wall wasn't there to, to, to do the score. They, would, they, they were hype. Oh, more trendy stuff. They got Clint Mansell to write like one or two pieces of music for that entire game. Start in the end, leaving Earth and the ending piece of music. Um, more trendy stuff. They killed <laughs> Jessica Chobot was one of the most famous faces right of the oh, at the time. Fuck, I remember that. That shit was awkward as fuck. Yeah, she was one of the most you know, as far as like gaming journalism per, per, uh, celebrities go, that was like Jeff Keighley and you know Jessica Chobot was. And they, Stuff that makes the game very 2012. Jessica Chopa as your onboard news camera. News news gal. So I was like, oh wow, that makes me like go back to 2008 a little bit. <sighs> Celebrity plugins, DLC, modern, modern military bravado BS. God, the game industry did really get it, better. It, 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 it's not a timeless. It's not. It's not really a timeless game. I'll put it that way. Mass Effect I, One and Two, you can be timeless classics. Mass Effect yeah. Three just had a little. Just had a little. Just had too much of that trendy 2012 BS to feel timeless. Uh, uh, and of course, everybody. Well, let's talk about the ending, like I am now. Hey, I, I will say, and you will hear me say, and you'll hear me say that again in three years. <laughs> I, I I will say that. I know we tend to reminisce about, like, that generation of video games a lot on this show. But, like, you tend to, like, rose-color the bad parts of it. Like, all the shit we just mentioned. So, like, I think it's a good perspective to have. Yeah. I think, um... I think that at the initial release, I was too nice to Mass Effect 3. I did a video review on that game, and I gave it a 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I probably should have gave it an 8. It still can be good. It still has some bit of that magic into it. But then, of course, you know, that magic I'm experiencing this past, like, month was really magic with all its DLC stuffed in. Levite, like, and the DLC, and it was quite amazing how long that DLC was and how fun it was because I would, like, I would do, uh, I would do... Leviathan or Citadel, and next thing you know, it's like three hours. And hmm. the best parts about that game was when I was either playing the DLC or playing like the core middle of you trying to recruit the Turians, um, helping Morden, um, you're saying goodbye to certain squad mates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, it has some moments there, but again. The lead writer wasn't. It, it, back in 2013, I described it as this is a really. The story is really, really, really good fanfic. What I mean by that is, 
is that you kind of, based on the first two games, can kind of like write a story of your own, but you're not going to, but you're not the lead writer. You don't know all the single nuances of what makes a Turian a Turian. What makes an Asari definitively an Asari? What makes Rex? Rex. Like Rex in Mass Effect 3, I'm just kind of like, are you like on a sugar high the entire mm-hmm. time or something, man? You are just overexcited compared to the last two games. Um, no. Because so, we always knew Rex as like Rex, like Shepard, Rex, and now so, it's like Shepard. <laughs> so, uh, you know, all right, that's. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I want to put that to rest now, but in hindsight, I don't really quite like the trilogy as much as I used to, and I don't know if it's because like I've just kind of I've just moved on. They're gonna make a new Mass Effect game. Uh, I saw the news headline you had that they said that the Legendary Edition sold better than EA thought. That, that was a new story last the week. People, people still like hold that that game. That game will still be nostalgia. That game will still have like a special place in a lot of gamers' hearts uh, because it was pretty much nothing else like it back in the day. Um, and you know, for me, it has nostalgia too. But uh, it's been many years now, and it's time to look to something new. When, like, you know, I bought Mass Effect Andromeda probably because I gave honestly this new Mass Effect game that's coming out. Who knows what's going to be, and I'll just buy it on discount special or something. So, um, all right. So, as for the other stuff we played this week, or I played, uh, first off, I went through my my Mass Effect is probably the Halo franchise, and I'm happy to report after playing through all those games except five so far. I still love them. So Halo has hope. Um, Halo has a lot of hope for it still, despite mm-hmm. Infinite's like, like despite Halo Five story, uh, Halo Four's questionable stuff, and Halo Infinite's like really troubled development. Like, there's still hope for it. I, um, um, which is a darn sight more than what could I say for an entire studio that's called Bioware right now. Right, like yeah, I, any, anything you put out, you cannot have confidence that it will be, you know, good. Like, um, you know, like uh, Andromeda was so, mediocre, Anthem was garbage, and they prom and you know, and with Anthem being so bad, like, hey, we're gonna make another Dragon Age game. Inquisition so, won all these Game of the Year awards, in which you and I strongly disagree because I feel that you know, Inquisition was just their standard, typical checklist so, Western RPG game that as long as you check these boxes, you win Game of the Year at everything. So I'm going to. I'm going to show a clip here to how most people respond to the Halo Infinite soundtrack to opening. Not the the and also let me say the beta everyone was very positive and enjoyed it very much. But this is a clip of how people reacted to and it's gonna play the music too. So turn on the Twitch chat or turn on the Twitch audio real quick and start from the beginning.
So, uh, yeah, they put out a lot of really... That was amazing. Yep. <laughs> that was fantastic, edit. Yes. Uh, so, and... um, like, for me, I was just like... That's kind of how I felt playing Mass... Like, starting up um, Mass Effect 1, that opening scene. Mm-hmm. Every time. So magical. I just, like... If you ever want to talk about, like, best first three minutes, best intro to a gaming universe ever... I would say Mass Effect 1. And I'm sure like there's a lot of others out there, too. You could probably find one from WoW, Halo, and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, is like my perspective, that's from a game that already exists. For you, this is like a game that is being worked on. Yeah, like this is... Innovative. So, like, that, yeah. that's that's fantastic. But yeah, they did a... They, they put out a lot of music uh, on their blog, and a lot of it has sounded really good. Uh, they've done a lot of audio stuff on their blog. Also really good. Um, the gun sounds so... Th their audio team is just killing it. Just killing it. Um... The beta, though, right? Yeah. Uh... So, as, obviously, it's still a case that we need to see what actually happens in the end, yeah, but things look promising. Promising. So, so yes. the beta happened in July, um, late July, early August... That means it's coming out in November, most likely on the 20th anniversary. Oh, God. I remember I was at Halo's 10th anniversary. I was at the Halo Fest 10th anniversary event. It was awesome. Um, no, uh, Halo deserves a lot better than the hand it was dealt for a long time. And... They got Joseph Staten working on it again. They've got a lot of old Halo devs on it again. They seem to understand what the community wants in a lot of ways. Like, uh, for, like a perfect example being... Uh, like, playing that multiplayer, the best way I would describe it is it felt like a combination of 3 and 5. It feels like you put 3 and 5 together. Or just really. Super I'm gonna say that's a. I'm gonna say that's a good thing because I did like five. Mm. Uh, five five's multiplayer, but three. Well, no, everybody played it. Three three is the three is the community favorite by far. Um, so yeah, speaking of games that were once made by Bungie, or I guess in this case currently is made by Bungie, uh, I dropped back into Destiny Two this week. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, is, is, is this a good sign or a bad sign? That game is still really fucking cool. Uh, that game, they, they, yeah, they, they did. Um, it just, it was just, you know, obviously my our first impressions of it was back when it wasn't really quite entirely fleshed out yet. Right. No. Uh, that... it, it was kind of like, well, and then like I look back and I was like, well, what could they have done? They could have spent another three years on development. Uh, but then what? Right. At the moment, it's like maybe, maybe it's like maybe that was the best thing we could have asked for at the time. Like, it's probably not perfect, but maybe they just needed a lot of players and a lot of feedback to know where they wanted to go, and it finally reached a good point. I think that their their current content model is actually really smart. Um, which what it is is you buy, or if you have Game Pass, their current expansion. Uh, which is, in this case, it's currently Beyond the Light. 
Um, and then you have access to um, a long, a fairly lengthy campaign with a bunch of stuff in it, and so on and so forth. And then every quarter until the until the next expansion happens, you uh, a new season comes out. And you either you need to get the deluxe edition that has all the seasons built into it, or you can buy the seasons for ten dollars individually, um, depending on which ones you're currently playing. So yeah. Um, when was the last time we played Destiny together? It was like a year ago, right? About a year ago, yeah. Yeah, uh, because like my impressions at the time was this has everything that I liked about Destiny One. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But all my complaints about it have been addressed. Is it addressed in a good way? I don't know. I don't play the game regularly. However, it's like, hey, you want story? Hey, they fixed up the story. Mm-hmm. Look at all this stuff that's been happening in like the five years you weren't paying attention. Uh, here's, you know, oh, you don't know what you're working towards. Look at all these guys walking around with all this ridiculous weaponry that you that you you know you could have got if you played the game regularly. Right. Um, no. It, it that, and and I think like maybe my only complaint is okay. So if I come back after eight years, where do I even start? That's kind of the um, thing. But, the, but, but you know, do they have something that addresses that? I don't. Remember. That's kind of the thing I'm running into. So the thing I did is I finished the new campaign, uh, Beyond okay. the Light, which you could probably honestly knock out in a weekend if you're really dedicated to it. If not, like maybe a little longer, um, and that gives you a new spec. So, you remember before, you got three specs that all had different abilities. Well, in this yep. expansion, they give you a fourth one. So, as you remember before, it was Void, Fire, and Lightning. This one is, is Stasis, or, like, Ice. Um, depending on... So, that's really neat. And then, depending on what's going on... And then, kind of, there's, like, almost an overwhelming amount of stuff to like that you could do. It is very MMO-like in which, like, okay, I can do this, I can do that, I can do blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm, I am playing right at the end of a season. So I'm just kind of PvPing for now because I'm like, uh, anything I do, I'm probably not going to be able to get done in time. So, you know what, let's just, let's just get gear and have fun. But uh, next season, I'm going to pay for the pass. Uh, and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on whatever that season's content is. So, like, for example, this season, uh, you know, Kel of the House Light leads a small group of Eliscani who wish to get closer to the Traveler. As a sacred splicer, you possess the knowledge needed to combat the Vex technology that ensnares the last city. There's a bond of light shared here. Will it be enough? Helm Upgrade.exd. A new chamber overlooking the vault loading bay has been completed. It is here the Vanguard will harness new splicer tech and plan their response to the Vex incursion. Way of the Splicer. Uh, fire teams of six will use splicer tech to hack the Vex network, uncover their secrets, and steal their stuff. That's a new six player match main activity. Weekly missions. Each week, Guardians will uncover new vulnerabilities within the, next, within the Vex network and use keys to infiltrate it. Uh, Vault of Glass. The Time Lost Raid returns, which if you remember, the Vault of Glass was the first raid in Destiny 1. It's considered one of the, like, high points of Destiny content. Like, anybody who played Destiny 1 will fucking 
like gush to you about that raid, even I will. Like Quinn and I did it. It was so fucking cool. It's so cool. Like because it's like a World of Warcraft raid, but also imagine if you had to do like jumping puzzles and platforming, and like like do stealth and weird stuff like that. Like it's super cool. Um, so yeah, th that raid, and then, uh, bun then you have, uh, if you do any of this stuff, or a lot of this stuff, you can buy physical rewards, so if you finish the, for example, so if you finish the Vault of Glass by the end of, uh, the season, you can buy a jacket, a ring, or a, like, pendant, uh... They added a shit ton of new transmog. Uh, they're added a new exotic to chase. A bunch of new exotics and weapons and armor to chase. And then if you bought the season pass, a bunch of cosmetics. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, and that's, uh, that's you know, that's a pretty good little uh, I don't know about you and like all that stuff is and they, they have it like set throughout the year so like the season started on May 11th Trial of Cyrus begins May 14th Iron Banner May 18th the raid opens on, on May 22nd new weekly missions on the 25th June 1st just all the way until the epilogue and then the epilogue hit on August 10th and then the next season's gonna hit sometime in September ish. So, yep. Okay. Uh, and then they do. Uh, and then they've delayed their next expansion because of COVID. Um, okay. Because so last summer they outlined their plans for like okay we have three expansions ahead planned Beyond the Light that's the current one. The Witch Queen, and Lightfall. Um, that is the end of the storyline we started back in Destiny 1. Um, so yeah. They're moving the release to early 2022 because they needed additional... Uh, and we also realized we needed to add an, un, an additional unannounced chapter after Lightfall to complete our first saga of Destiny. So, uh, yeah. And that's, that's where they're going. So... Um, so they got other seasons coming, and all kinds of other stuff coming. So. Okay. Yep. One thing I will say is I love their store thing. That is one of the best ideas any game developer has ever had. What is a store thing? So, uh, the store thing is they have a bunch of raids or in-game content that if you do it before a certain date, you can buy a physical product in the store for only people who did that thing. So, for example, uh, if you and I were to finish the Vault of Glass by August 24th at 9.59am, you can uh, I could buy an exclusive art print from the Vault of Glass. So it's, like tier, so it's a little bit like Tier 2 armor, but you can buy it for real life. Yeah. And that would be truly limited edition. 
So, so a perfect example of this is... Uh, Maybe collectible? They are collectible, because not many people buy them or have them. I know a friend who only has one of them. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and they've had these... Uh, yeah, and then, they, then they've, had, and they've had these in the past... Um, you know, they, they go, they go back quite a ways. Uh, I want to say the first one they added was the one, uh, was the one, they started doing this back at the first expansion for Destiny 2. So that was the, um, Forsaken, which was a great expansion and also added probably one of my favorite modes to Destiny, which is Gambit, which is PvP and PvE at the same time. So... But yeah, so like for example, like right now, um, if you defeat the source of the endless night by August twenty fourth, you can get a special you can buy a special jacket. I find this stuff to be super fucking cool, and it's not just clothing, but like they they got replicas of weapons. Like if I bought, oh, that, so like if you do like the really high end stuff on the really hard difficulty, you you can buy it. So, like, for example, there's an exotic called the Hawk Moon. It's a very good hand cannon. If you complete the quest to get the Hawk Moon, or if you did, because it's back in February, uh, add the, the exotic quest as the crow flies, and you would have until February 28th to go and buy it. And you would have a replica that you can put in your house and show off to people of the Hawk Moon. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm a... I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of this idea. I think it's fucking brilliant. Um, I, I hope that this... I hope this is good enough for them to keep doing it. Um, so, yeah. You should definitely... So yeah, if you play Destiny 2, go check that shit out, because it is well worth your time. Mm -hmm. At least, like, that kind of gives you, like, um, an incentive, because, well, like, within in-game items, like in-game armor and that kind of stuff, next expansion comes out, it's irrelevant. Yep. Its numbers are no longer superior. You only just keep it around just for the, for the decoration. Actually, for the transmog, for the glamour. Actually, in Destiny, that's not always the case. Is not because Destiny has infusions. So uh, what an infusion is is let's say you have a piece of gear. Now this mostly only works on the exotics, so like the you know the legendaries. But let's say but let's say you have a piece of gear you really like uh, and you don't want to give it up, and you have a gear that's way more powerful than it. You could infuse it into that piece. With by spending some materials and give that item level to your old item. Oh, okay. Um. So, like for example, I have a really good shotgun that's an epic that is not power capped, so that means I can infuse anything into it um, and don't really have a cap for it. So, um, so yeah. Um, that if so, it's, if I like that shotgun, I can keep it. If I get a higher ranking shotgun, as an example. Um, yeah. 
So now we got that out of the way. Uh, but yeah, Destiny 2. Shooting feels good. The new campaign's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I I am just waiting. So next season is when crossplay hits as well, right? And that's when I'm waiting to get a posse for it. Because at that point, it's like, okay, cool. Because my, my biggest problem with Destiny 2 is, like, the barrier of where people are. You know? Like, Nate's over on Xbox. You and the stream posse are on PC. But Quinn and his posse are over on PlayStation. You know? And it's just, like, I have to, I've always had to pick and choose my Destiny crew. And that's been a big reason why I've just been not as keen into playing it. But, like, now that it's just... Because, like, for a while, it's like, okay, you gotta have a computer. Like, sorry, you gotta have a computer. Play this game. Final Fantasy, you have to have a PlayStation or a computer. But most people play it on the goddamn computer. So, uh, yeah. Like, it's... You know, this is a this is a new world we're entering. Whole new world. All right. All right. Um, didn't play more of the Ascent, even though I want to. Game is cool, though. Um, that's kind of all we've been playing, I think. Yeah, like for me, it was just kind of more your typical uh, sandbox and stuff. Uh, after I finished Mass Effect, I, I. I played thirty. I played the first thirty minutes of Skyward Sword last. You did. Did you enjoy the? Uh, did you enjoy the fact that you can skip the dialogue now? Yes. Push B. Fucking so A. You don't have to read every. Granted, you can't do this with every cutscene. Uh, no, but you can't, like, you can't do this. Every, but the fact that I could just blast speed read in half a second each dialogue prompt is kind of nice. It is kind of. Um, nice. Other thing. So. I've decided that I wanted to play this game with just a normal controller. Same. And not use Joy-Con. Um, I don't want to use motion. Con- I don't want to use motion controls. And yeah, there's some awkwardness. Like to move the camera around, you have to hold L. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to hold the left shoulder button and then use the right analog stick to move the camera around because the right analog stick is dedicated to that motion control you chose not to use. Right. Well, I mean that was that was the case with. Funnily enough, that was also the case for the N64 3DS ones as well. Yeah. Um, um, I don't remember how it was on the on the on the Wii Motion Plus stuff, but I'm playing through this game and I was, and I remember I, I played Skyward Sword once ever, and I never played the game ever again. Hmm. I also said at the time it was the most perfect game I ever played, and I'm already having doubts only 30 minutes in. Okay. About that statement I made. Because <laughs> The controls are kind of awkward, even on a standard controller, and granted, and the beginning is slow. It is. You're, you're walking around a lot. I still haven't found my bloody bird yet. Um, it's 30 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember and that tutorial. Like, like, Twilight you... Princess, like, Princess was a little interesting, to me at least, because I personally like, like epic art styles and everything, so Twilight Princess at least had you know, all this grand art and scenes and uh, to get me excited, Skyward Sword just has like the most awkward character models I've ever seen in a Zelda game. Uh, Link doesn't look good. Um, he looks nothing like the cover art or any concept art they did for him. 
it, it, and it lives in this awkward land where people are like, oh, we want Wind Waker to come back. No, we want more, you know, realistic Twilight Princess. Fine, we'll pick something right in the middle. And that was Skyward Sword art design. It's half cell shaded, half kind of real, and it's just like, okay. Uh, Breath of the Wild did it better, though, a lot better, as far as, as far as art. Not much you can see after 30 minutes, other than I'm still running around looking for my bloody bird. I finally got a practice sword so I can go run to the cave to get get it. Um, um music's nice. Um, Characters are uh, great personalities. Um, anyways, not much to say on there. I've been. Uh, I, I, I went back into Final Fantasy 14. Decided to do try and unlock that 48 man raid. Holy crap! It took me. You could do it. You could possibly do it in a weekend, but the grind is a little annoying. I. So that's what happens. But that's what happens when you like don't play a game for like six or nine months and then come back and try to catch up. I got to a point in Heaven's Ward where I couldn't figure out where the fuck to go next because I need to go to the corner of the map, but no, none of the paths go to the corner of the map, so I'm just fucking lost. Um, and that's times like that. I just give up and I just go to, I just go to Google and or YouTube and just type in the quest name. Um, that's the that's the point I'm getting to. Um, yeah, no, but uh, go on. What were you saying? Final Fantasy fourteen. This lovely. Yeah, I got I got back into it because um, it is bizarre. To think that I would live in an age where entire ships of refugees would show up. And here I am in this weird... Like, usually, Bronson's the person who's showing me, wow, guiding me through things, explaining all the mechanics to me, and then, and then like, I'm in this awkward spot where as the dude who's level-capped in Final Fantasy XIV for so long and actually has some idea on what to do, people are asking me for guidance, and it was weird. Um... <laughs> Granted, though, like, I haven't played the game that much because I got busy doing uh, things in life and trying to finish Mass Effect and trying to do this creative video thing that I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but people still... It's still kind of that same people keep to themselves a lot. Like, the servers are a lot more crowded, but I think, like, uh, the WoW group hasn't quite... A lot of the WoW group hasn't reached level cap yet because it's not like in WoW where you can just boost to 70 and then just... You can boost up to, like, the start of the expansion and then level cap in, like, a week or two. Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy fourteen. if you don't already, like, Final Fantasy fourteen, you freaking take the long way. It's so fucking long, oh my god. They they shortened it, like, you have only gone to Heaven's Ward. Asmongold is still in... Heaven's Ward. Heaven's Ward? Yeah. yeah, so it's just like, you're doing this the wrong way. Well, not the long, the long way. The long way. So, like, to me, it was like, everybody's still keeping to themselves, you know, and then I just thought to myself... Actually, maybe everything kind of feels the same at NCAP because the wild refugees haven't reached NCAP yet. Your average wild ref hasn't been there yet. I mean, true. Okay. So, so, like, so far it's been... Uh, so what I do is I run a leveling dungeon roulette, which pairs me up with lots of new people. And so far, the people I'm encountering that are new to the game, assuming they're wild refugees, are very friendly folks. Uh, they're, they're very open to advice. They ask for advice and... And, you know, it's it's up to the Final Fantasy XIV yeah. veterans for us to be how friendly we are yeah. by helping. And so far, we're just like, you know, we point out mechanics. You know, if somebody messes up, you know, as far as the groups I've had so far, like Final Fantasy XIV, aside from those try-hard asses from 
like the high end here rates up, most of us were like, oh, if you mess up, it's okay. Why? Because the game doesn't beat you in the head. Well, I mean... Like, with a, with a bat, if you mess up. Like, we just start the fight over and it's normal mode. This is like, you know, there's no major loss. We well, just start over, no problem. I mean... Just need to learn a mechanic or two. You want to talk about, um... You want to talk about something that weird that's been happening that I've been hearing. Because I still have plenty of friends who play World of Warcraft still. And they're, mm-hmm. and they're just like, everyone in the, who is left out of, like, the people who are left have been way nicer recently. It has been very, it's very strange. So, why? Like, what, what's... How? I don't know why. Like, apparently they've just been way more chill unless you, unless you fuck up a Mythic Plus. Like, outside of that... Okay, Ray- because, like, when you tell me that, I'm just like, okay, so are all the jerks going to Final Fantasy fourteen now? No, I... But, you know, like, everything looks nice right now, and I'm just kind of thinking, sitting here thinking to myself, like, man, eventually it's going to get too crowded and people are going to start getting angst at each other. The, the thing is, is your moderation team actually does stuff. Uh, that's yeah. that. That's part well, of. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think some of them are. Yeah, I think some of them are back now because uh, Final Fantasy fourteen does have a customer service center. Yeah. See, which you know, I when I asked you like, does Blizzard like does WoW have a customer service center? And you're like, not since they closed in mid twenty nineteen. I'm like, wait, what? Like we still have, like we still have GMs and stuff, but like it's not like it was back in the day. Like I, in Wrath of the Lich King, if I sent a ticket. I could almost get a response instantly, depending on what was going on. Um, back nowadays, if I send a ticket, I'm lucky to get a response in a day. Um, so if that if that gives you an indication, wow. um, but no, I think it is very important to us. Please hold. Your current wait time is 24 hours. Yeah, like so I think that part of it is that your your community is a lot nicer to begin with cuz you have to remember this is people going from their own like place thing whatever it is to to your place. So that that's that's one thing I I think that is happening here. Um and then two, I think that the people who are left in the WoW community um, the people who are left in it uh, are trying to be on their best behavior uh, for multiple different reasons. Um, part- I think, like, yeah, one of the reasons is if you say you play WoW, there's now a stigma that comes with the game. The, yes. Because of, because of how badly Blizzard and Activision have been messing up. Yes. And, like, the lot, like how did we go from... Like, how did we go from the start of June when we were actually excited for TBC Classic to this? Yeah, and to be fair... Two, two, two and a half months. I mean, well, granted, there was a lot of gunpowder building up. We just needed a fuse, right? Right. Like, okay, we so... Just had, we had a lot of kegs. We just needed a fuse. And the fuse was two months I, ago. I know we've talked about this a lot on this show because Aaron and I play both of the major MMOs. Um, so... Let, let's go, let's run down the timeline. Um, no, I'm not going to go all the way back to the beginning, but just the recent timeline. Um, all right. Early, early May, they announced TBC is coming out in June. June 2nd. And they're like, and the, you know, that in itself is really fucking soon. 
Especially because, you know, you, you're going to try, especially if you're going to be leveling a Drain Eye or a Blood Elf. But that's okay, because uh, if you, you know, or if you want to level from scratch during the pre-patch. But they say, no, 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 don't worry. There's going to be a boost. Now, I didn't mind the boost. I'm going to be honest. I was one of the people who was just like, whatever. You know, whatever boost. I mean, the boost, the boost kind of worked for people like me. Right, or Quinn. Which, you know, like, people like me, I was just kind of like, you know, you, you were talking a lot about Classic at the time. It's like, look, TPC's coming out, and I'm just like, you know what? This is going to be like, everyone is still, like, a lot of people, like you and your social group and Quinn's group were, like, still playing Classic WoW. I was like, if I want to experience how good Classic WoW could have been, how, ba- how good it was back in the day, this is my only chance before everybody moves on to TPC. Uh, yeah. but I'm not going to go through, but I'm not going to go through. I don't have like the energy or time to level up. I I, I, I really wish you would have played original vanilla back in 2019. I tried it for an hour. No, um, and, and, and got really tired really quick because, uh, granted, starting as a night elf didn't help at all. Yes, um, probably not like you know. You night of starting zone on the old night of starting zone, not not particularly great. But hey, that's the race I always picked though. Like I just made it to Dornasses, and I'm just like, okay, I'm done. And you and like, meanwhile, you were just geeking out uncontrollably. Yeah, no, I was your going childhood, hard. Your child, your child, a big piece of your childhood came back exactly as it was. Almost. Yeah, Granted, I, you're playing it in widescreen. You're playing at 60 frames per second. You're playing on good hardware. Uh, yeah, modern broadband internet. You know, it's not exactly 100% the same, but still, like... All the jokes in trade chat were the same. Fucking all those motherfuckers brought back all those old jokes. Yeah, and... And, like, even, like, even though I wasn't there from, like, super vanilla, I was still, like, there for us to, like, enjoy, like, ZG and all that stuff. And I'm just like, wow, people talk so much in this game. It's not, like, dumb stuff that I was seeing in... You know, uh, BFA or Missile Pindaria or even Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. It was like legit stuff. Like, hey, looking for trade, looking for a group. Uh, you know, you didn't have your own walled off Discord to ask mm-hmm. for help. You had to go out and ask people. And then, of course, you know, I didn't experience this in Classic, but in TBC, it was just like you would have people that would walk by and they'd be like, hey, this guy's walking the same path as you. I'm going to send him an invite so we can get this done faster. Yeah. So you're teaming up because it actually gets your quest done faster. Like, this dwarf was, like, noticing I was on the same quest as him, and I normally just ignore people and do my own thing, but he's like, hey, you know, he invites me. We went, did the quest together. We even actually did a quest that I- required at least two players, and we did. And I was just like, wow, but, that was nice. But back to the original. Uh, anyways, yes. Back to the original. So let, let's, let's run through the timeline. But then they announce the Dark Portal Pass where you get a mount that was only for trading card game members in original TBC. Or no, the mount, no, sorry, the toy was TB, was from the trading card game. And the mount is a new original mount that Blizzard had to make. It's a store mount. Something that didn't exist in TBC. The only way you could have got this, the only way that this could have existed at all back when TBC came out, as if it was in the card game. Now, if what Blizzard would have done as, like, a cross-promotion is, like, hey, man, if you play Hearthstone and you pull this in a pack, you get the mount, 
I almost would have preferred that. Because it's kind of like a modern equivalent of getting that mount. Yeah, like I would have been versus like, versus like, the, like in the old days, it was like, hey, you get to get a card game. But today, it's like, well, we have a card game called Hearthstone, so we can make something similar, but you know, still have similar requirements. But no, this is like pay, pay like fifty dollars, get your boost and get your fucking your your toy and your fucking thing. And I was just like, and the whole community is pissed about this. The whole community is fucking livid. They are mad. You said the store. You said the store in this mount made you want to almost quit, like not even bother with TPC Classic, right? Yes, because it was a very clear sign that they might continue doing this or might fuck with TPC in other ways. Basically, they're kind of like straying away from like why everybody wanted to come back to Classic. Uh, okay, so Vanilla right? was no. Yes, the tagline for all of fucking Vanilla was no changes. That was that was the that was the hashtag hashtag no changes. Um, turns out they need to do one change, but they did the change too late, which was hey world buffs need to be able to be like stacked and reserved because otherwise top guilds are gonna go crazy trying to use them. And they did that, but they did it too late. So, but other than that, hashtag no changes. In TBC they made some minor changes. Uh, one, they gave Alliance Paladins uh, and Blood Elf Paladins the same ability because it used to be back in TBC uh, Blood Elf Paladins got Seal of Blood versus Alliance Paladins got Seal of Vengeance and the Blood Elf one was way, 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 way better. Like, way, way better. Um, so, like, they changed that and then, then, then they also like tweak a couple other balancing things, and that's about it. Um, but then this mount comes out, and I'm salty about this, and everyone's salty that the pre-patch should be longer, which I agree, the pre-patch should have been longer, especially because, like, that way... It I'd... was like, when did it come out, the, the pre-patch? Uh, it was like it a was month like, before, right? Not even a month, like two and a half weeks. Like two, it was, it was. No, yeah, that was. Oh boy, like yeah, that's ridiculous. Which like, if you're a drain, like, I just remember because I just remembered like, I boosted to fifty eight, and you guys, and then I remember you telling me you've got like two weeks to hit sixty. Yeah, and I just like, oh, and thankfully, like you know, we had a group at the time to help me get to sixty, mm. and I was able to find a few quests to do to help it along the way. But yeah, you know, like me just casually playing the game for like a few hours a week was like i barely hit 60 in time and, and that, i was running and i was just like oh boy yeah and think about the people who were dedicated to making a blood elf or a drain eye and going like one to 58 or one to 60 yeah it was like it was like a week before tbc classic came out and like all the blood elf characters were like the drain iron blood Elves i was seeing were like level 30 yeah because like no 32 yeah, because that's how long that was, even with the EXP cut. Because um, remember, they cut the experience needed for for to hit cap. Um, so uh, they cut the experience needed from level twenty to sixty and a half. So um, so yeah, there's that. Um, so there's uh, so that happens, and then um, then you get. All the content you you find out that the Shadowlands patch, 
is going to be too early. The Shadowlands patch is going to be... Um, and that was like that was already a mess as it was because Shadowlands came out in November, December last yeah, year. November. Okay. And okay. So we, we played through a decent amount of it, and then by the time like April and May comes by, you were telling me like people are like starting to talk a lot about like when the heck is nine point one coming out, and I asked you the question. Wait. So if I logged in, like say if I logged in in May, just about everything would be the same as when I left it, with the exception of people being more geared. I'd be like, yeah, you would be a little undergeared, and that's about it. If you want, you can and still I'm just count. like, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, earlier than expected, because I was like, at that time, I was seeing headlines for stuff like August for 9.1 coming out. Yeah, which was uh, all, which, like, but, like, they wanted the patch to not be in the middle of fucking classic. Um, so, that's... That's that, and then on top of that, you have the fucking uh, the, the the patch does finally come out, and boy howdy, that story was trash, and the story they're currently setting it up for is more trash. They uh, found a way to make it worse. You showed me like the cut, like I didn't play the game, but you showed me the cutscenes, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. how do I even describe it? It's like. They found a way to not only make it lame, but they found a way to make it really bland at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a it, it, it's a lot of uh, it's like you just handed a line of just a bunch of cheesy generic cliche Hollywood, you know, redemption lines to somebody and say put lots of emotion into it with no context on who this character they're voice acting even. They, like, they don't have no context of how to even voice act this. So I'm just, like, watching these cutscenes of Toronto saying whatever, all this music playing. I'm like, all I'm watching is a bunch of, it, you know, bravado is not the right word, but it's, like, whatever the equivalent of bravado is. A lot of talk and not much substance behind what they're trying to do. Then you have the fact that it is... Then you have the fact that, like, all the content in this patch is garbage except for the raid and the Mythic Plus... You're talking about like sockets, and I'm just like, oh, dude, don't. I couldn't. Even, I I could I couldn't understand the mechanic that you were telling me. Well, that's because it's bad. Yes, that's because it's if bad. It's like, and then you just told me like, hey, renown gets reset or something like that, and I'm like, what? Renown doesn't get reset, or the, something about renown that makes the grind unbearable. They've added uh, up to level 100 of renown. Ah. <sighs> I thought that grind was already pretty low. That's actually why I kind of stopped. That's why I stopped playing Shadowlands back in when after we after uh, the, the level captain ran a few dungeons because I looked at the rounds like really all I'm doing is signing on, getting anima, getting right down. That's it, and I don't want to do that. I got t- I, I don't want to do that. Now. I so will say the good anymore. news is is you mostly do not need to do that, provided that you are already happy with your conduits and your mounts and titles that you got from them. Like, if you don't want any of the cosmetics and you're happy with your current conduits, then once you at level 44, which is what you need for flying, you don't need to do that shit anymore. So... Okay. I mean, I guess that's a plus. Um... So, yeah. Um... 
So there's that, and then they... But yeah, so all that shit happened, and like, there's barely any content in it to begin with. The content that is in it, outside of the Mega Dungeon and the Raid, is bad. The systems are bad. Like, the sock... The so like, the, the developers say, and even the community figured out before the developers said it, oh, this is like tier lists, but not really... And it's like, it's not like tier lists, because tier lists affected your class specifically, and a specific ability. And also the fact that you may have to go re-farm out your legendary, which depending on which legendary you have to re-farm out, boy howdy, that could suck, and have to redo five to six weeks of work. That that feels like good, like, like, like you, you know... Most of the time, I don't understand, like, I don't agree with Asmongold beefing with developers on Twitter. Like, most of the time, I'm like, eh, dude, you probably have a better, you have better, probably have a better way to spend your time. Right? Um, but, like, when the systems designer was just like, that guy's an asshole, I'm like, you have no right to talk to this man about anything. This man's half the reason your game is alive. And you're the number one reason why it's bad. Okay. Let, let me, let me, I'm going to let this, if the WoW systems team hears this, good. Because I'm not, maybe it's because they just heard it from Asmin and they need a reality check. The Azerite system was bad. And when it wasn't bad, it was broken. It was fun broken. It was fun to just do all these abilities that did, like, one million billion fucking damage and let off giant laser beams and shit, but it was still broken. Um, the conduit system and that system and all the things related to it and the, all that shit is bad. These temporary power systems are bad. The fact that our fucking, like, our, uh... All our progress essentially goes away at the end of the expansion or patch is bad. <clears throat> you are the number one reason this game sucks. Okay. <laughs> okay? Hey, guess what? The art and music team have been carrying that game for a long time. Their back deserves a rest. Oh. The thing about WoW I've noticed is people... I don't know a lot of people who play WoW for story, music, cinematics, art. They play to talk about their accomplishments. Most of most of what people talk about in WoW is their accomplishments, what raids they ran, you know, their experiences playing the game. Mm -hmm. so you can write the best damn lore ever, but if the game is not fun to play, that's what people are going to talk about. That's like my experience with WoW. The only person I know of who talks about wild lore on a daily basis, like wild lore, decent on a decent amount, is you. It's like me and Matt. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, that's it. You guys are the only ones. Everyone else who ever played wild, they could care less about what happened in Warcraft Three. They just want to tell you how awesome it was to go to Ice Crown Citadel, but or whatever the amazing raids of those days were. That's what everyone's talking about. They they want to talk about their gameplay experiences. So. That's probably like the biggest reason people play WoW is is if I were to go off of what people talk about, it's playing the game. So if your game is not good to play, 
That's what people actually, will talk about, and people will stop playing. That's actually the most frustrating fucking part, is the actual core gameplay, like, moving around, casting spells, fucking, like, using your class, is, like, the best in the business. Like, if you told me, like, based on, like, I can pick any MMO based on the way their combat functions, and, like, that kind of stuff, fun and, like, their combat function and their movement functions, I'd be like, oh, World of Warcraft. Retail World of Warcraft, absolutely. But the problem... The, the, the goodness of, like, the core game is still there. Like, when Sh like, uh, Shadowlands comes out, I decided to run as an Affliction Warlock. Affliction mm -hmm. Warlock still is it, it, it's good. And not just because, like, it put out good numbers. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was fun to play. The rotation was fun. All these little tools that you can use to kind of teleport around on the stage is fun. Mm -hmm. The dots are good. Like, the dots are fun to yeah, use. Yeah, like, play, playing uh, the way... The, like, the, bo the boss mechanics when we were on uh, Spires of Asc Ascension? Yeah, Spire of Ascension. Like, yeah. uh, like, us, like, us doing that Spires of Ascension, that mythic run we did, ultra clean. Mm -hmm. Efficient. Got business done. Good group. Yeah. Good design. Like, there's just moments of, like, really fantastic design that you could just feel it and then and then outside of that which is where i spend most of my time i'm just like oh my goodness i don't want to farm yes. more anima it's like it, i already it's, i already ha I already, I already have a daily grind it's called going to work it's it well i mean yeah it's it's so like when the game's grind feels about as dull as going to work i'd rather go to work because work gives me real money to spend well it's just like that fucking video we watched this week of the current state of warcraft Oh my uh, goodness, just, like, we're not even done, but the thing is, you're not even done with this timeline. It's just like... It gets worse. It's just like, I just logged in, and it feels like I I just got off from work, and I just logged in, and it feels like I haven't left work yet. Uh, yeah, and and uh, that's why I stopped playing Shadowlands, is like, outside of, like, the dungeon runs were great, like, the, what little I've seen in Castle Nathria was actually kind of cool. Yeah, yes. We had a good group. People, so <laughs> like, people were socializing a little bit there, and then I went to Classic, Classic, I mean, Classic... You know, we, we, I mean, granted, it wasn't, like, the best guild, but we were in ZG, and, you know, I was the new guy. They just, they, they coached me along, showed me how to do. It's like, hey, you're the hunter. Pull that guy right over there. Use your range to get that guy. That was cut. That was nice. That was cool. And, you know, I get to experience how classic was in its, you know, in, in the months leading up to TBC. And, and, uh, it's just always, like, brief moments of greatness, and then, like, and then, like, the whole, and then, of course, the fuse was lit, and then the whole and everything just blew up since then. Yeah, so so you have all so these like, yeah. So you have all these problems. I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe they'll fix it in a later patch, next expansion, whatever. But then it comes out that everyone at Blizzard for the past like 14 years, well, not everyone, but a lot, but there have been a lot there's been a lot of sexual harassment at Blizzard the past 15 years. And it and yeah, like so I've said I've and here's the thing. I've said Look, if Blizzard and Activision Blizzard take the steps in the right direction to go ahead and make a fucking really good, really well put together game and they behave correctly and handle all the sexual harassment stuff correctly, I'll absolutely come back. Um, but right now, right. I'm so pissed off at them. Right now, it's time out. Yeah, no, yeah right now, yeah. it's just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. As much as I want to see Sanctum of Domination, that raid, like, as much as I want to see it, no. 
I can skip it. I'm good. This is just like this is like this is a fail of more than epic proportions. Like this is not just epic fail. This is like worse than that. Well, because Blizzard, Blizzard, like like all the news right now is is like saying all the with all the news that's going on right now, it's like it's like it looks like Blizzard is just imploding right now. Well, they, I mean, they can't they can't make anything because they were under so much controversy at the moment that they have to pause everything. Hmm. Um. You know, these stories of sexual harassment coming out. You've got basically just about every major commentator uh, of World of Warcraft just saying, no, this is enough. I'm moving on. I'm, for, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm moving on to something else for now. Or, the or forever. Saying, and, then you, and, then, and then you got developers coming out saying, you know, these commentators are uh, toxic. Yeah, you know, you you don't talk crap. You know, like kind of like that attitude of, well, if you well if you don't like my game, go make your own game. Kind of and it's just attitude, like, right? A, a, it's just like, a, do you know what they did? They went and go play Final Fantasy fourteen, where the develop where the development team is kind of stuck to their same ways for like the last like eight ten years. Uh, yes, but the, uh. the the active difference between that development team and this one is when Asmongold said he was going to play Final Fantasy fourteen. They sent him a tweet be and a postcard saying welcome to or, you know the fucking continent's name. I always butcher Orzia. Orzia. And versus the WoW developers who say, Ugh, he's an asshole, ugh, he's toxic when he is neither of those things. Uh, um it's fucking disgusting. He, he's he's a commentator. Uh you know, he has an opinion, and he's sharing his opinion, and seems like a lot of people agree with his opinion. Yeah, like, dude... And when he talks about his opinion, he isn't just saying, this is trash, dump it. He, he spends a lot of time going through the many different things as to why he doesn't like something. You know, like any, like, art, like any debate that you have, you need to back your viewpoint with, you know, why you chose to do something a certain way, and he did. You know, he talked about the gameplay systems, he talked about, uh... And obviously, talking crap on him just adds more reason to why he doesn't like the game. Le- like, le- or the le- development team. Like, let's and and not only that, Asmongold is one of the only content creators I know that is like, no, I'm still going to play Blizzard games and still going to play the game when new content comes out. Like, like fucking like Preach is done. Preach is done. Preach left. Okay, Preach ain't coming back. Mad Season, he ain't coming back. You know, a lot of these dudes ain't coming back. Um, like, but no, Blizzard, like, are they just gonna fucking sit there and be like, no, it's okay, it's okay. You know? Like, I don't know if they are, but I think it would be a bad fucking idea. But, you know. Yeah. I think I'm like seeing something like um, a chart where the subscription numbers have not been this low since the end of Warlords of Drain. Yeah, and it makes sense. That's yep. the, that's when I that's when I quit. Also, back then I back then it was just like a felt like a one time bump, you know, in the road. Like 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 let's. You know, because, like, Battle for Azeroth was, like, okay. 
Like, that's the way I would describe it. Like, it was okay, it had serious problems, but, like, some of the content was still a lot of fun and interesting, um, you know, like, at least, at least parts of it were, you know, good. And, you know, the, uh, but, and, like, the Sour Fang story was really well done, you know, like, there were part, you know, like, they did, they did good on some bits of that. Shadowlands, outside of Uther's storyline, like, the Uther storyline that's going on right now, I could give a fuck. Like, that, that, like, like, in all honesty, like, like, whenever, like, Wowhead puts out a video and it's like, we have new lore bits about so-and-so, I'm like, uh, who cares? But when they're like, we got information about Uther, I'm like, oh, what's up? Uh, that entire story, I'm just like, like, 9.0 at least had an interesting enough story. Because, like, the, you know, they have, it, it keeps you curious. Well, yeah, it was well, like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, you know, so while, like, it's just like, okay, Savannah continues to be full crazy, but now she's working with the jail. What is she up to? And I'm like, well, at least from my perspective. And you've got these four factions, and then you find out that uh, Denathrius is, uh, yeah. You know, it's like, it still keeps me curious, but then, like, I see all this 9.1 stuff, and then the redemption thing just blew up, and I'm just like, wow. And then, like, you have Torghast. This, this, is, this, this is worse than fanfiction. Which, like, then you have, like, Torghast, which Torghast could be cool, but they choose to make it baby mode easy when it, you know, all, every single, like, roguelike I know of is hard as hell. So I don't know why. Like, I, I, I just don't know why. Like, what, like, I don't get what that team's purpose is. I will say I have hopes. I have a lot of, I actually have some pretty high hopes because of the new WoW director. Uh, or the new, the one of Blizzard's new co-CEOs they have, um, which I'll bring, Man. which... Uh, yeah, because, like, we probably need to talk about, like, how many people have left, or fired, or resigned. <laughs> yeah, how many people left in shame? Let's yes. find out. And, like, like that's, and it's not just, and it's not just WoW, either. Yeah, because, yep. again, like, the sexual harassment lawsuit applies to Blizzard... As, a, As whole. a whole, yeah, yeah. So we're not talking about just wow, wow. It's like you've got a new story for like Diablo Four, people resigning or leaving, something like that. Mm-hmm. Man, like what? What the heck's even going on? Like, no, like no game development's happening while this mess is going on. Absolutely not. So, um, so first new story. Uh, let me pull it up here. Give me a sec. Um, that's the investment group one. Sorry, there's a lot of Blizzard news this week, as there has been a lot of that. Freaking like when their when their problems start showing up in the financial news headlines, you know something's really screwed up. Shit's extra fun because you know, like in financial news, they always talk about Apple and Google and Kathy Wood and Bitcoin and Elon Musk. So that's what financial news likes to talk about every single day. These mm-hmm. days, but when Blizzard becomes one of the top five headlines on the financial news, that's a huge deal. Because you know, one of the biggest game companies in the game industry, you know, obviously had its huge growth spurt when, uh, you know, during the COVID stuff. So, for you to make it up that big is 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 a huge deal, <laughs> right? 
So, and it's also I also will say it is a little funny when financial news has to kind of dumb down all this gamer stuff and explain it to sixty year old investors what a frat boy culture is. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So where are we starting with the news? So Diablo 4 game director, Blizzard lead level designer, and WoW designer let go from Blizzard. Diablo 4 director, Louis uh, Barriga, lead level designer, Jesse McCree, and World of Warcraft designer, Jonathan LaCraft, were let go from Blizzard on Wednesday. Two sources uh, with the knowledge of the move told Kotaku. A spokesperson confirmed the departures in the email, uh, saying they're no longer the company saying, we have a deep, talented roster of developers already in place, and new leaders have been assigned where appropriate. We're confident in our ability to progress, deliver amazing experiences to our players, and move forward to ensure a safe, productive environment for all. Uh, in addition, we'll continue to investigate each and every claim and complaint we receive. When we learn of shortcomings, we'll take divisive action and strengthen our ability in this area. We'll be adding additional staff and resources, people that held accountable for their actions, that commitment will not just terminate employees where appropriate, but also terminate any management or leaders that have found to have impeded the integrity of the process, valuing claims and imposing appropriate consequences. Several, but not all, of the former employees identified in the Cosby Suite photographs with Justin McCree making inappropriate jokes in a screenshot Facebook conversation, and other employees, Corey Stockton, are made the company, but has recently been put on leave. So basically, every one of those dudes has been fired, or isn't at the company anymore, except uh, Corey Stockton. Uh, also, in-game references to Alec Afrasiabi, the head dude of the Cosby suite, um, uh, not with uh, his, all his references and wow, the NPC and everything have been taken out of the game. Um, and Jesse McCree, the namesake of the Overwatch hero, and the Legion Zone, Macquarie, uh, are both being looked into. Holy shit, man. Yep. What the hell? So, the, so the, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a start, but like, you look at this stuff, like, how long has this shit been going? Because like, all, now all of a sudden everything looks very reactionary, right? Um, oh no, we got a lawsuit, so now we're properly investigating, and we're now finally firing people. I mean, um, like I said, from what... Now, I mean, what, obviously, what can't you do now? But that was kind of a case of, like, well, you still got the bad news of all this looking reactionary. So, like I said, from what I have heard, it's, uh... It goes back as far as, like, a couple years after World of Warcraft got popular. So... Um... 2005? So, like, 2006, probably... Um, so there's that. And in other Blizzard news... Activision Blizzard Investment uh, Group criticized the company's response to the controversy. SOC, an investment group and shareholder of Activision Blizzard, has criticized the company's response to the recent high-profile lawsuit and allegations of toxic work culture. As reported, SOC executive uh, Dieter Weisinger called the management response to the reported toxic culture inadequate and called on the company to do more than tackle the issues it's facing, uh, saying, improved tone, increased detail. 
but did not go for nearly far enough to address the deep and widespread issues with equity, inclusion, and human capital management. Um, so, yeah. Um, as for the what the employees are currently demanding, the letter calls on Blizzard... Oh, so no, that's actually in, uh, from the investment group. Uh, the letter calls on Blizzard to add a woman director to the board by the end of 2021, commit to gender balance on the board by 2025, Claw back bonuses from executives found to enable abusive behavior. Cancel executive bonus for 2021. Award bonuses based on achieving diversity goals. And conduct a company-wide equity review. SOC also agrees with the ABK Workers Alliance in rejecting Activision Blizzard's choice of the Institute law firm Wilmer Hale as the auditor. This firm has a sterling reputation of defender of the wealthy and connected, but has no track record of uncovering wrongdoing. The lead investigator does not have an in-depth experience investigating workplace harassment and abuse, and the scope of the investigation fails to address the full range of equity issues Mr. Kodak acknowledges. Uh, SOC is an investment group built to hold corporations and their leadership accountable for irresponsible and unethical corporate behavior and excessive executive pay, reflecting the long-term interests of workers and their families invested in union pension funds it also has recently lobbied shareholders against the board at EA. <clears throat> Ace. Good. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them long and hard. <sighs> um, the fact that this shit was allowed to go on for, at minimum, a decade, um, and because that shit, because you saw the shit, because there was videos that came out of BlizzCon 2010... You know, and the Cosby Suite photos from were from 2013. So at minimum eight fucking years. Uh, good. Fuck them. Good on this investment group. Also, I Aaron, I and like that. I mean, like the invest. Well, obviously, like as an investment group, it's not going to be good if this bad news like really, really keeps going, mm -hmm. and you end up losing a huge amount of money out of your investment. Um. Yeah, no, um, then there's also, um, uh, then there's also the fact that, like, this law firm they hired, yeah, it's true, that law firm they hired is the one who busted up a bunch of different Amazon unions that were trying to form. You know, this isn't a fucking law firm for fucking good shit. What are you, what? What? Not well, if the if the only thing that matters is money, cool. Let's not play their games anymore. Let's not pay for anything that they make. Uh, yeah. Which is what people which people is what people are doing. Yeah. You know, I I would uh I would I I probably should read one of their current or future financial reports where they trot where the PR department or HR or like the PR department tries to make up some kind of positivity out of all of this. You know, they'll probably start with something like World of Warcraft, the world's leading multi massive multi online experiences, is providing new blah 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 blah, and we have plans for seventy percent growth through innovative blah 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 blah. So, uh, <laughs> boring stuff, really. So we do have some good news out of Blizzard. <sighs> oh, there's some good news. A glimmer of hope. A glimmer of hope. How, how strong is it, though? 
Um, pretty strong, because at least it's at the top of Blizzard. Okay. So, um... Alright, so, uh, Blizzard's new co-leader, uh, Mike Yabara, uh, has been streaming recently, and got some plus 20s done. Plus uh, 20s. Yeah, like, you know how we did, like, a plus 5? He was doing a plus 20. Okay, I'm kind of lost. What is a plus thing? That's Mythics, Mythic Plus. Oh, okay. So, like, we did, like, a plus... Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I get it now. So, think about something that's five times harder than what we did. Okay. Offered up some opinions on certain game mechanics, and even suggested to play WoW's biggest competitor, FF14, with Complexity Limits GM, Guildmaster Max. Complexity Limit is one of the world stop guilds in WoW. Uh... Gabara is an avid and serious WoW player, and he's sharing some of that with the community as he streamed the gameplay session yesterday and mentioned he will be doing QAs in future streams. Uh, first off, we have interesting little details and comments on the AoE cap in one of the Mythic Plus runs. He actually took a look at the chat before saying it, so it might be one of those please say uncap AoE chat moments. So perhaps there's not much to read in the clip, but in case he does dislike the cap, Despite not being directly involved in the actual hands-on Velma WoW, having the boss of the entire company, disliking a future that a lot of the community also isn't a fan of, might add some more weight to it. But certainly not a definitive AoE cap is gone soon type thing, so maybe don't get your hopes up. Then we have this really cool offer to play FF14 with current uh, number two WoW Guild complexity limit, and his, his him not wanting to spoil the raids. Uh, yeah, so he... So, the complexity limit uh, GM says, I'm trying to watch streams in the Final Fantasy section on my day off to feel them out and ask questions about the game, but when they're doing Savage Ultimates, I can't spoil myself. And then the Blizzard current top dude says we should play Final Fantasy together. Uh, finally, he goes through not only some plus 20s, but also some direct Diablo 2 resurrected beta action. Um, and yeah. So, there you go. There is a glimmer of hope. Hey, we'll see. Because I'm telling you right now, he probably notices all the things we notice, and might, and it might weigh a whole lot more when the whole head of the company is telling the terrible systems designer his systems are stupid and bad. We'll see. So, uh, continuing down the news stories list. So, is this really, so is this a case of, like, you had a bunch of guys who are veterans and were, had a long history of making a game that's undeniably huge and too big to fail, and they just simply let them do whatever the hell they want with no, with no oversight whatsoever? I very much think that is the case, yes. Okay. Because, you know, I understand, like, in, in, like, especially, like, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us have talked about how there might have been, like, too much oversight, too much... Like, basically, like, you know, EA comes to... You know, EA walks in, and they're just like, Hi, Bioware. I think you should do this. X, Y, and Z. That's kind of the oversight that we don't want. Exactly. Uh, when they get in the way of, like, you know, creativity and that kind of stuff. 
but you kind of need the oversight to make sure the people you're hiring are not like you know bad human beings exactly so uh we're gonna have a yeah. quick break because i have to use the restroom so we'll be right back let's take a break and we are back from that little restroom break oh i feel much better Nice. <coughs> so, uh, then we got that all squared away. We got news about PAX this year. PAX West and PAX Australia. Okay. Every form of PAX you can PAX. PAX. But what about PAX East? Uh, that didn't happen this year because of COVID. Oh. But uh, PAX West this year is going to have a vaccine requirement. We are pleased That's to... That's next month, right? Like, the, the event's next month, right? That is September 3rd through the 6th. That is Labor Day weekend. Oh, boy. Uh, so, Labor Day weekend, uh, you will either be required to have a COVID vaccine uh, test uh, on spot, or you'll be required to have proof of a COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, if you purchase badges and have questions or concerns about this requirement, reach out to pass questions. <coughs> now, I'm not sure if either the pandemic, uh, the economy, or what has affected PAX badge sales, but you can totally still get a four-day badge right now. Or you can get a badge for Friday, Sunday, or Monday. Saturday is also that. Wait, you can buy a badge still? Yep. Yep, yep. I would have thought an event like this would be sold out because, you know, cabin fever and all that stuff. Uh, apparently people will be afraid of the virus, Mon. Uh Okay. Okay. Because, like, you know, if I were to talk about Disney World, that place is booked up for months, I heard. Yeah, uh, I mean... Conventions, I don't know about conventions, though. So, actually, uh, if they somehow decide to hold BlizzCon this year, how empty do you think it will be? They said they're not. Let's they do, said... Let's do... Oh, okay, they're not. Okay. They said they're doing... And then, next year, and next year, obviously, depending on, uh, depending on what happens with COVID and how Blizzard is publicly viewed at that time, it may be a crowded event, a normal event, or an empty-ish event. We'll see, right? Sad boy hours. So yeah, uh, PAX goes on. You say PAX is four days. It's been like that since. It's been like that for a while, right? Because when you went way back in 2011 or 2013 or something like that, it was a it was I a went, three day. Event. I went in 2011 and 2012. It's been a three day event. It's been a four day event since uh, 2014, I believe. Uh, a four day badge. Yeah. A four day badge is 230 dollars. Because I remember you said, like, the fourth day, like, you will be so happy, but so physically dead by then. Yeah, no. Because it's exhausting. And I when, th you, when, you, when you have that many late nights, that much excitement, that much stuff, you just come back and you're you're dead. You, you have no energy. Let, let me tell you right now, I'm planning to do a four-day pass next year. I am nowhere near in the shape I was when I was in 21 or 22. Um... I don't know how I am physically going to survive. Uh, we would probably have to... Well, there is a way you can survive, but you're going to be missing out on things. Yeah, no. And that's basically, you know, sleep at normal hours, go back to your hotel early, not probably walk as much. Nope. You, you, you can't party. 
nope. as much as you used to. I'm right? I'm going to party. I probably can. Like I probably can. <coughs> but I also know like that many late nights I'm just gonna be like, I'm I'm just gonna fly back home. I don't even I, I am going to party all the way. You're going to die, man. I will yeah. die happy. Um but uh so yeah, PAX is still happening just with that restriction. So what is the website for those who are interested in buying a PAX ticket right now? That is west.paxsite.com. The right hand corner badges are on sale. Uh, this is so weird because people have been scalping these tickets since like 2013. Yeah, since since the year. Of the, okay, so this is what it was because like because when you went to 2011, you could still reasonably get a ticket all the way up until like the week before the event starts. Right, then and they if, were still. Up. And if you wanted a three day badge, you had about two to three weeks, and then which is a reasonable amount of time, right? Because by then you have already like booked your hotel, and. Uh, you know, made a commitment, right? Because hotel prices go way up when you book late. And then twenty, uh, then twenty twelve, tickets sold out in about three days. And I remember tell, and thankfully, uh, Quinn almost missed out, but uh, I managed to get a hold of him at the last second, like the set on the second day, being like. Get on the website. Get on the fucking website. Get on the website. Get on the website. He's like, okay, okay, okay. And then I was like, then the next day they sold out, and I'm like, I fucking told you. Uh, um. So yeah. Uh. And then ever since, it's been faster and faster sellouts. Like it's uh, it is the con. It's like, and imagine GPU shortages, but with convention tickets. Kinda, except it's way easier to get cheap scalped PAX tickets. Actually, let me, if you want to know a real... It's like PAX, like, PAX, like PAX actually requires you to be physically there. Yeah, yes, and also... And, and, if you, and if you buy these tickets and you try to scalp them, you have to hope somebody buys it. Or else you just basically lost money on the entire ticket. Right. You know, and then like, I've seen people who miss out and are scalping tickets day, or like, trying to sell tickets day of, because they're like, yeah dude, sorry, I had plans. Like, I had other th I had things pop up, and it's just like, oh, cool. That's unfortunate, but... Mm. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it, it's... Uh, this is an oddity, so if you can go, I definitely would. Uh, I know a lot of y'all are afraid of COVID. That's understandable. Um, you know, especially because, for, for being honest... Uh, cons are tend to be a breeding ground for disease. Um, yep, you're talking about that many people cramped in, and the rooms are never air conditioned well because there's too many bodies. Mm. They always they always tend to have a funky smell because there's too many bodies. So how do you think it's going to happen if somebody has a cough? Um, I actually got my first COVID vaccine on Friday. Oh, the symptoms so far. I did not have any symptoms. I mean, you're, look you're looking good at the moment, so... I didn't have any symptoms until 24 hours later. And the first symptoms were really bad chills. And then I wrapped myself in a blanket and went to bed for a good 12 hours. And then I woke up, and I feel fine. Okay. So I will say, like, the first shot usually isn't... The first shot, at least, you know, it's not that bad. The second shot, you're either okay or you get knocked out pretty hardcore. I'm 
I am hoping for a day. For a day. I am hoping that my immune system, being the champion that it is, uh, <clears throat> does its thing. So, um, any who's wants it more PAX news this time about PAX Australia. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, due to uh, Australian rules and whatnot, this year's PAX Australia is supposed to be October eighth to tenth. But organizers announced its postponement and a message on the official website. At the start of the year, we were optimistic we'd all be able to come together in person this October. We've been working hard with our partners and exhibitors to deliver the best possible experience of PAX Australia 21. But due to an ongoing impact of COVID-19 in Australia, the next edition of PAX Australia will now take place in 2022. PAX Australia 2021 will happen as a digital event as PAX OS Online, with more coming announced in the coming days. People who purchase a ticket are entitled to full refunds, and we'll see more information I've received that in the full week and the following weeks. Um, PAX Australia was canceled last year as well, like HUD. Uh, um, does not surprise me. Yeah. Um, un- unfortunately, like it, it. I wonder. I haven't really read on any feedback how people personally uh, how the experience of digital events goes because obviously you're sitting in a chair at home or a sofa just watching it. I mean, how do you um, feel about watching E3 at home? There's stuff to get excited about, but then when you're actually there, there it, when you're physically there in person, it it becomes surreal and exciting. Okay, that's at least at least at least the first time. Okay, that is a very. Is that, uh, Sorry, E3. Yeah, E3 is just a little bit weird because it's a business event. Well, I would still say that that is very comparable. Okay. Um, like well, the thing is that once you experience the surreal event and go back to sitting at home watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 yeah, you, it's, 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 you do miss show. some parts of the live show. Like, god damn it, do I miss the teleprompter? I miss the teleprompter so fucking bad. Um, you mean like when we sit in that room and just like read the teleprompter like ten, fifteen seconds before they say the line? Yeah. And you would you would know fifteen seconds ahead of time what game it was. Yeah, like fucking it's so great. Um let's see. Yeah, that was that was an interesting experience. Um, um But yeah. the thing is like the thing is is like the only conventions I've ever really gone to for gaming was just E three and that's it. And that's not exactly a good that's not exactly the kind of impression I wanted because, you know, E3 is a business event that they tried to pump up like a party. And this was during the years when they did not open to the public. I mean, if you... Um, if, yeah. You were it lucky. was a very business... It, it was a business event that they tried to pump. And even then, E3 was on decline. At the time, less and less convention floor space was being used. You'd be, you would have thought like E3 was kind of more of a you know, moderate trade show, not the big hype fest that it was in the 2000s um because the the transition was already moving towards sony just being like yeah you know why fight with microsoft for news at e3 when we can just pick a dead week in january talk ps4 and that's all everyone talks about why not be like apple i I mean mainly because And and then like nintendo just puts out like their stuff once every quarter yeah, but that also but, you know, like why, like why compete with news? Like why be, compete with other news when you can be the only news all week? Because then, when you're not in first place or you're in first place, but like more vulnerable, we'll call it, like you are now, 
then your competitors get an entire fucking week of just man look at all this cool sh xbox shit uh that's like sony right now right yeah mm-hmm their state of plays is like look at this weird little thing we have xbox is like uh yes we have everything right so uh, you, remember, you remember that slow? You remember that slow? Oh man, you remember that slogan back in like PS3 days? It only does everything. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I look at the X, I look at Xbox now, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Xbox, like the brand, is like you can do it on PC, you can do it on Xbox, and Game Pass gives you just about everything you would give you almost everything you would want to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on PC, and it's and it's, you can do it on Xbox, and it includes multiplayer, and it's fifteen dollars a month. And your Xbox is a Blu-ray player if you have the disc version. Which they I all do. Have disc version, are they? No, yeah. the, the the newest one isn't. Or the Series S isn't, the, the cheaper one. Okay. Um, but And it's just like, I was like, I don't know, though. Aside from like doing word processing and my taxes and and being able to install any programs on it, I don't know. It's just like Series X. Does, it does a lot. It's it's a very good machine. Like uh, like PlayStation has to like put out like a state of play, and they still have to rely on exclusive as to why people. Like my only reason for even wanting a PS Five is is uh, is Gran Turismo Seven. Like I can like you know because like in the case of like Horizon, mm -hmm. if I wait like you know I could play the poverty spec version of that game on my PS Four. I mean it's not going to be too great, but I could if I really wanted to. And PS Five are still so if PS Five are still sold out by that point. Mm -hmm. Or I can wait a year uh, or two, and it'll come to PC. Mm-hmm. Like, the last Horizon. So, really, my only reason for really getting a PlayStation is to play Gran Turismo 7. And I don't really know if I want to spend $400 just to play that one game. And maybe a couple other exclusives, like Ratchet. I mean, I like, here's... What else they have? Here, here's the, the cold reality I have come to this year, is because... Due to Game Pass and it being a more powerful machine, I will generally be using my Series X way, 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 way more. Way, way more. Um, and that doesn't mean my PS5 is bad. It has a place. I'm obviously going to uh, be playing fighting games on it, and I'm going to enjoy exclusives on it. Spider-Man was fucking awesome. Ratchet was great. Dark Souls was really good. And then, like, I've accepted that, yeah, the next game I'm probably going to play on that thing is Horizon in early 2022. That isn't an old PS4 game. Oh. So, so kind of like the Nintendo Switch issue right now? Yeah, I, yes, except, like, occasionally I end up buying games on Switch because I want them, like, portably. But, yeah, for the most part, yes. Okay. Um, you know, like, yeah, the, the Xbox and PC are the primary drivers. Uh, Microsoft did it. They made an ecosystem that is the most enjoyable to be in. Good on them. Insanely affordable. Well, it, once you have the you have the initial cost of entry, which is buying the box or having a computer. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's $15 a month. Yep. And then if you want to uh, buy... And, a, a, and, and, yeah, and you've got the game enough and you want to buy a game, you can. And you can watch movies on it. Uh, there's like some apps for it or whatever, but yeah, it's like, it, like my primary reason for not having Xbox Game Pass is because I haven't really found the time to to just subscribe and play start playing games on it yet. Fair enough. 
because I'm like, I'm tied up in like Mass Effect. Like I was tied up in Mass Effect and I'm trying to get to Skyward Sword while also trying to make the 60 second fake car commercial while, uh, you know, trying to do a little bit of catch up on Final Fantasy 14 and trying, you know, see, see where Ray and Gwen and where the other guys are at. Um, but like, say like once winter season arrives, for example, and I have like more free time. Yeah. The only reason I'm not playing it, right, the only reason why I don't have Game Pass right now is because I wouldn't be using it from the limited time I have. So I would, I don't want to pay fifteen dollars a month for something I don't use yet. Uh, yeah, that's fair. But in my old days, in the old days, it was just like, eh, the library. I can't find anything here that I want to play. Well, ever since they started doing their whole day one thing and bringing all these backwards compatibility games in, I'm just like, oh my goodness! Like it doesn't even really matter that much anymore that I didn't have an Xbox One. Oh, sorry, the original Xbox. I mean, it's I, all right there. I mean, not only that, but like you, you look at, you know, you you look at like okay, even then, like I find value in owning them both. It's weird. I realize it's weird to say that, but like sometimes I want to play games in bed, chilling in bed, just you know, like laying down something simple and easy um, on the big four K fucking movie like experience with the surround sound. And then other games I prefer fucking here with the headphones and the, like, up-close screen and whatnot. So, like, it, it ends up being a really interesting, um, ends up being really interesting where, like, I found value in that. Where, like, the and the fact that your saves carry over, your achievements carry over, your friends list carries over, and it's super simple. You literally, like, literally I'll be playing, like, Halo on here with the boys on a stream, and then... Because I want to play on a bigger screen when we're not streaming, I just and I flip over and like, oh yep, our our save is loaded. Well, so. Yeah, it just it just downloads from the cloud. Takes <coughs> a few seconds. <coughs> done. Yeah, exactly. Um, once we're done remodeling the living room, I've actually considered putting one in the living room, uh, not the big boy, the X, but an S uh, in the living room for Steph and for like Netflix and whatnot. Um, like, it's... Because the PS3 is... I, that shit on PS3 is only going to be supported for how much longer, right? Like, dear God. I mean... <laughs> also, PS3 doesn't have Disney Plus or Apple pl Video Plus. So it's kind of a... You know, it's like Netflix also, and... Also, like, the PS4, PS4 has been out for how long now? Seven years? Eight years? Eight years this It'll be year. eight years this November, yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's at the point where it's like most people would have already retired their PS3s. Yeah, it's just it. Like, the thing is, is my PS3 has been a living room media box. You know, and a living room. So, like, and occasionally, like, uh, I'm in the mood to play. So, on that topic, do I even want, do we, like, does anyone want to try and find out if Netflix on 3DS still works? I don't think it does. Are we, are we, probably not. Um, that was that, but that was kind of interesting. Also, it's been also it's way easier to get a series S. Like I bet, like I've seen like series. Uh, S. Well, uh, like yeah, not on Best Buy. Like your your your, your typical like popular big chain store. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're probably not going to find it. But I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, like I could see that because you know the S is not like the flagship. No. And everybody wants flagship. Everybody wants the top stuff right now. Mm -hmm. Um. Something that I can say is there are Nintendo. There are a lot of Nintendo Switches on sale. Oh, you yeah. can you're you're like or at least at least that's the Best Buy I go to. 
Um, the one that's closest to you also. Mm. Uh, you go there. There's a freaking pile of Nintendo Switches just sitting on the floor. Yeah. Uh, mm. It's actually, uh, actually, that may be a new story that you may or may not have covered in the past podcast. But Nintendo, I believe, put out a uh, release that says, like, yeah, our sales are uh, starting to slow down. <laughs> and naturally, their stock dropped like 5% after that. Just no investor likes it when you're talking about contraction. It's all about growth. Profitability. Um, basically, basically, there's going to come a point when eventually everybody ha- who wants to switch already has one. Yes. And, and with a copy of Animal Crossing. Also, apparently. The timing of that game, the timing of that game was just... Almost, it's kind of too coincidental. It's just like, man, Nintendo, you just put out the perfect game at the perfect time in the perfect world scenario for everyone to go buy it. Exactly. Yes, they did. <laughs> I haven't played that game since April 2020, though, actually, if I'm honest. I uh, barely touched it in May. general, so I feel you. Um, like, I had like family come over and they'd just be like, why in the world haven't you touched your island yet in the last year? I'm like, it's because I have other things I wanted to do. And uh, just tell me, go clean your island. Speaking of Game Pass, Stardew Valley is coming to Game Pass next month. Oh, boy. Um, so they will not be adding the traditional Left 4 Dead versus mode to Back for Blood, unfortunately. Um, that's a bummer. Um, uh, let's see, a couple other things. So they have found the actor to play Knuckles in the next Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It is going to be Idris Elba. If you don't, uh, Anthony, if you don't recognize the name, that is Heimdall from Thor. Oh, that's going to be interesting. That is a weird pick. It is. Um, I think it just reminded me of something. Like it's not a game that I was playing the, like the last week, but I watched the Warcraft One movie. Oh yeah, but not Warcraft One. I mean, it's just called Warcraft. Yep. In the U.S., it has a sub. It has an extra bit to its title in international markets, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finished watching it, I thought it was okay to kind of good. But when I think about it, I'm like, you know what? Given the context of the fact that it's based on a Warcraft one, a game from the '90s, back when storytelling wasn't exactly as insane as it is these days. Orc come through Probably. portal. They fight humans. Yeah, it's probably like given the context. Yeah, it's probably kind of good. Um, the first the first thirty minutes has so much awesome fan service. I love it. Yes, and I'm not even like a wild geek about it because it's like, oh shit, it's the train high. Oh shit, that's how the portal got built. It's a murloc, and then when you see all like all the all those drain I get sacrificed over the portal, that scene was like, oh wow, oh shit, this stuff is no joke, as it should be. So would you- um, and and obviously like there's some things like a scene like okay some things they had to dumb down some things they had to make a little more sensational because it's a Hollywood movie and you have a general audience that needs to understand what the heck is going on. All right, let me tell uh, you. So so you know why is it called just fell? Well, makes sense, right? I mean, it's technically accurate. You just don't want to put a burning legion behind it when you try to introduce people to things. Which, to be fair, you didn't know yeah, that. You didn't know that when you played Warcraft One, also. So yeah. That's okay. Right. So, yeah. Again, in that context, it's kind of good then. So uh, let me let me tell you the actual plot of Warcraft One. Orcs go through a portal. 
orcs fuck up the human kingdoms really badly. Okay? Uh-huh. Uh, humans are fighting them and kind of at a stalemate, but need the help of the Guardian Medivh. They find out the Guardian Medivh is actually possessed, and he's the one who opened the portal. They murder him. When they do this, this makes Cadgar an old, old man. Alright. So, this struggle continues all the way to Stormwind, in which Garona turns out to be a traitor. She wasn't really, but that's a plot that gets revealed way, way later. Like, way, way later. Um... But, uh, she stabs King Rin in the back, and Stormwind falls. The humans go be refugees in Arathi, uh, slash Lordaeron. The Horde wins and takes over the south. Okay. That is the plot of Warcraft 1. Um, as simply as possible. Also, Lothar didn't have a kid, and he was also, like, a 58-year-old man. Yeah, the kid part, I think, is just one of those, like, Hollywood, I gotta create that ma- that family convention, right? Yeah. So that, that family connection, you know, create loss. Yes, I guess. Uh, you know, you know, you experience a great loss, and that you know, emboldens your resolve to see your mission to the end. Uh, Hollywood. Yep. Um... I don't know. Still kind of good. I mean, yeah, they could have definitely done another movie. I mean, they did leave enough of a cliffhanger. Oh! Yeah, they, to do they could totally. Hey. They could totally. We're being raided. Welcome to the Velvet hey. Raid. Cartvale is raiding for us for once. Up is down. Down is up. We raid him every Sunday because we usually finish around one. Um, hi, Cartvale and Posse. What's up, dudes? Uh, this is Anthony. This is Anthony Ta. Aaron is finally returning the favorite. Thank you. This is Anthony Ta. He's filling in for Aaron because Aaron's on vacation. What up, boys? What's going on? How's your stream? I saw you playing Witcher. Uh, well, they're answering that question. Uh, I'll pull back the news stories then. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, I get they they typically like anime over there. So let's bring the anime story up. Sony has finally finished their acquisition of Crunchyroll. They brought, bought Crunchyroll for $1.17 billion. Have a good one, man. I have to stop earlier because of work. All right, man. Have a good day at work. you the best, Carbail. Best Belgian boy. Um, He's super cool. He plays rad music and likes ska. Aw, heart to you, too. Uh, anyway... So back to what we were saying, though, as far as the news goes. Uh, yeah, they bought Crunchyroll, bro. Sony. So now they... And they're going... Um, okay. And now they're going to merge Funimation, uh, this, uh, which they also own, uh, and Crunchyroll into one super giant mega anime company. Uh... I think the best thing I could say for this is that I don't really know enough about the anime industry here in the States to... I don't know enough to say if this is a good thing or a questionable thing. Unlimited anime. 
I mean, I don't know. For a fee, yes. I mean, yes, this is true. Uh, like, yeah, like, it's like, I don't watch enough to, like, know if this is a good idea or a bad thing. I just know, like, you know, Sony is not exact, like, Sony, aside from, outside of their, uh, hardware, like, their TVs, their cameras, uh, it's just, like, I kind of don't really particularly care too much. Fair enough. Like, like, they're not, they're not exactly the electronic they're not like exactly a household electronics powerhouse like they were in like the 90s and 2000s like they don't make personal computers anymore uh the camcorder designs like haven't really been updated for a little while now and maybe that's how it is in that industry i'm not sure uh i know that they have a ridiculous movie and music uh branch well so I I don't know like I'm just like okay is uh, Crunchyroll under like Columbia Studios or something like that I don't know what's going on. No, they're gonna um, they're they're gonna make it it's it's its own division just like Funimation is now. Um, to be fair, Sony Pictures makes mostly shit movies. Um, if I'm being honest with you, um, like you look probably. at their movie list, they made Peter Rabbit, The Truffle Hunters, Twelve Mighty Orphans. Um, um okay. the first okay. Hotel Transylvania was okay. The first Venom was funny, not intentionally funny, but funny. <laughs> well, the Carnage movie is coming out soon, so oh, it's gonna be so awful. I can't wait. It's gonna be so bad, and I cannot wait for it. Um, so yeah, and you have um. So, okay. Well, if this is on thing, okay, we'll see what happens. This is what they, um, this is what Sony had to say in regards to it. Anime is a rapidly growing medium that enthralls and inspires emotions among audiences around the globe. Uh, Shuhei Yoshida said, or no, sorry, Ken, uh, Kenichiro Yoshida. Uh, the alignment of Crunchyroll and Funimation will almost get even closer to the creators and fans who are the heart of the anime community. We look forward to delivering even more outstanding entertainment that fills the world. With emotion through anime. With the addition of Crunchyroll. Uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just like when you read that line, I'm like, of course, that's what every company says in the press release. Chairman of Sony Pictures uh, said, With the addition of Crunchyroll, we have an unprecedented opportunity to serve anime fans like never before and deliver anime experiences across any platform they choose from theater to home entertainment, games, streaming, linear TV, everywhere. And every way fans want to experience their anime. Our goal is to create unified anime subscription service as soon as possible. Uh, that would be wonderful. Because that way you wouldn't have to pick anymore. And maybe they could also fix the apps. Because the Crunchyroll app is garbage. It sucks. And the Funimation app it, is it, also it doesn't sucks. work well. It doesn't work well on the web browser. It doesn't work well on my PS4. And it doesn't work well on my TV. Let me tell you, though, as someone who subscribes to Funimation, the Funimation one is not much better. It's a little better, but not much. That's not really saying much. Um. So, yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, this, this is cool. I mean... Maybe they can offer it as like a as a, like a buy in with plus also, that could be like a cool thing. Like, hey, if you subscribe to PSN Plus, get get our anime thing. So, how big is it these days? Anime? Yeah, probably as big as. Like, a, 
I mean, let's find out. Because there's like been a couple, like, I don't pay attention enough to know who's really watching. I just know that when Dragon Ball Z came back, it became pretty popular to the point where some people were putting uh, stickers and decals on their car windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, DBZ got really big again. Uh, and then I started hearing that we're considered old tacos because we were like the first generation. We are the old taco. Yeah. So it's like, what's the average age of an anime viewer these days? Um, <laughs> like, I just don't pay older, enough attention older to this for industry. Sure. Huh? I, I would bet older for sure. Um, 18 to 20. Okay, yep, an average of 20.3. So That's that, the age. Yep. Wow, okay. I mean, wow. so so it's obviously like things not... Happening when I, yeah, things happening when I don't pay attention. It's obviously not... I mean, let's put it this but way. Then again, I don't, but then again, I don't really like talk to that many people. Like, granted, I don't have that many conversations with people younger than me either, so like, how would I know? I went to a barbecue over uh, during the 4th of July weekend at Yuko's place. And I realized that that subset of people and people associated with them being cosplayers are way, 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 way more likely to be weebs. I understand that. But every single motherfucker who was at that party at minimum watches some anime and are more likely weebs. Um... Like, uh, wasn't I asking you like that question where, like, um, based on the number of, based on the endless millions of people who have played World of Warcraft, so many normal people have played it, mm-hmm. but no one ever talks about it because of that stigma that comes with saying you play. Video oh, games. there's so much stigma. And so, anime. and so, like, and so, like, you know, it's, and it's the same thing with like anime, right? You don't want to talk about anime, and you kind of have, you, you kind of was like, well, what's like the first stereo? Like, what's the first? overgeneralized stereotype that comes to your head when somebody says, I watch anime. Mm-hmm. Probably someone who doesn't have good speech. Someone who's awkward. awkward. Smells funny. Like, you know, kind of like, you know, like the gaming stereotype is like the fat guy that lives in his mom's basement. Well, yeah, right? it, it's the... No, it's- like, like, I go to work and, like, at the time that, uh, at the t- like, back when BFA was coming out, the IT department was talking about it, which makes sense. The IT department would obviously be filled with guys who like wow, duh. Uh, not surprised that. But then I found out that my supervisor also used to play WoW. Uh, that supervisor ran a shaman, and I'm just like, whoa. And then I would like work with people who are dads now, and the end. And I and then I would find out that they play WoW, and I ask them, so are you Horde Alliance? And they say, oh, I was Alliance. Uh, and then they would tell me, yeah, yeah, I spent way too much time in that game back in the day. Yeah. It's like a lot of people have played it. It's just not something that you can publicly talk about. You can go out and talk about Star Wars all you want. Everybody knows what Star Wars is. Well, it's because everybody the- knows what MCU is. Everybody knows what comics are. Okay, well, all the- but you can't really, but you can't really talk about games because it <clears> always <throat> has a stigma where you just are like an unproductive member of society. Well, well okay, so I'm I'm gonna address each of those individually. Um, Star Wars is because that shit's old, and because our parents liked it then it's okay for it's like it's like a cultural thing like oh okay star wars is just for everybody um okay so you so that's that's why star wars gets a pass a lot of the time uh the mcu gets a pass just because of how unbelievably big it is okay like think about how many people like have went like you look at the, the box office 
for those movies. Like, holy shit. Um, so, yeah. That, that's why that is. makes complete sense. Oh, excuse me. Um, as for... Uh, what was the other one you mentioned? It was uh, MCU, Star Wars, and one other one. Uh... I don't even remember now. Either way, and then like video games wow. are more and more becoming a mainstay because more and more people are playing video games and we're getting older and it's it's becoming like there are like like it used to be I'd go on like the giant bomb Reddit or forums or the or you know the the kind of funny Facebook group and it'd be like uh, a handful of older guys you know, in their, like, at past age 30, late 20s, and then everyone else. But now, like, the common age in that group is, like, my my age. A lot of those dudes have kids. And a lot of those dudes are well off and just enjoy video games on their days off. Like, you would enjoy movies on your day off. Or, like, how my dad would watch baseball all day. Like, it's just a thing you do. I don't know. Uh, and so, like, yeah, there's a huge, surprising number of people who have played video games. And not just your Call of Duty, either. You'll be surprised. No, dude, I... It's, it's, just, it's just not something that anybody wants to talk about. Probably I, because, like, obviously, when you converse with people you don't know personally very well, you tend to stick to, the like, you know, icebreaker questions. And Star Wars is easy to talk about. Because it's so big and and has so many and it spans across generations. Well, so um, I'll, I'll be all, totally honest with you. I totally got my coworkers to bond with me over World of Warcraft uh, because in the Zoom meeting before everything went to crap with Blizzard, I had I just had my World of Warcraft shirt on. And I was just chilling with my World of Warcraft, you know, Burning Crusade classic shirt, and they're like, "Oh man, yay! You play WoW, and I'm like, you play Alliance, and they're like." We go back and forth and talk about it and whatnot. It's just totally a normal thing. Um, so I uh, I wore I wore. Uh, that, do you remember that green Zelda shirt you got me for my birthday? Yep. Yeah, I wore that shirt to one of the car club events. Mm-hmm. I one of these guys like I'm uh, good friends with now. I di- I didn't know he had a Final Fantasy tattoo. <laughs> and this guy he draws a BMW. Um. You know, not not a big one, but like a like a compact one. And we're out here at car events, and you know, and I wear the Zelda shirt, and then you know, some guy I don't really know comes by, he's like, "I like your shirt." It's like, "Thank you," which you know, usually people don't say that unless they know what your shirt is. Yeah, no, I of course yeah. when you of course when you wear a lime green shirt that bright, that Zelda shirt, it's, it's like it's like it's just so surprising because all you all they really need to see is someone who who likes what they like, but visually shows it, and then they're just much more open with saying hi to you. Right, um, which, you know, at least just say just say hi to say nice shirt. That, that, like I didn't know, like like my friend, like I would see his, he has like an old school sprite Final Fantasy Black Mage tattoo, mm-hmm. and I would just be like, "Wait, you play games?" Well, dude, <laughs> it's vast, but because because like a lot of car guys that I know, I don't even think they play games. <laughs> partly because the car hobby, when you get into cars, it freaking drains your entire budget. Um, <laughs> you spend a lot of time fixing it or upgrading. Do you remember? Or do you remember Theo who did both? He did cars and computers. He's like one of, back then. That was such a bizarre combination back then. Back then, now Wait, you could be playing. You could be playing racing video games in the day and love cars, 
playing racing, but you, you're, of course, you're too young to even buy a cool car. And again, this just goes back to like, you add like 10, 20 years to that. And now you are old enough to buy a car. Mm-hmm. A good, like a cool, like one, one that you would want, like one that's a little, you know, bit like the ones from your dreams. Like, granted, it's not going to be a Ferrari, but maybe you wanted a Camaro or a Mustang. Yeah, you're okay, the Charger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we became adults, but, you know, yeah, that the combination of like car guy and video game guy was such a rare thing back then because like usually in the car club group, it's usually like whenever you go to car clubs, the average age feels like it's around like forty to sixty. Yeah, but like uh, most of the guys, most of the guys there are there because they've got Corvettes. Yeah, but like um, as as our group ages up, I think you will see more of that. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, but then like. So, uh, and uh, yeah, I've been thinking about like, you know, you probably have seen, like, I've started buying little decals and, uh, bits of accessories for my cars. Cause you know, I may not care much about games as I used to, but it was a big deal for my childhood. So why not remind me a little bit, you know, take the mm-hmm. two things and put it together. Right. Mm-hmm. As you try to convince me to, as you try to poach me for super game craft for 2022. <sighs> Um, getting the contract. I literally feel like Mike Shanahan. Like we actually, we actually, we actually know what kind of shows and topics I would do too. Yeah. Um, like you know, maybe I wouldn't be on the community. Oh, well, actually, I do want to be on the community night a little bit because uh, it's really cool when you uh, hang out with your audience. No, for sure. Um, I, I like you know, like maybe podcasting is not my best, my bet, my strongest suit, but, but. uh We've got ideas that I may I, do, depending I, I, on motivating. I feel like Mike Shanahan on that America's Game episode, where, like, Howard Griffin is like, I'm a free agent, shot my wares, I go to Denver, and he goes over everything with me, and it was very appealing, but I had a meeting with Detroit, and obviously that was also very appealing, you know, you could block for Barry Sanders, etc., He's, and I told him, all right, well, hey, I got to go. I, I, I got a meeting in Detroit. And Mike Shanahan says, what? No, you're not. You're not leaving. I got your agent on the line on the line with people in the other room. You're going to be a Denver Bronco. Uh, <laughs> Howard Griffin is just like shit. It's like, I'm a free agent. The first guy won't even let me out the door. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a great episode. Yeah. Uh, America's Game, very, very, Such very a good, good show. show. Like, 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 yeah. Uh, you shared me the uh, ninety-two. Was it ninety-two or ninety-three? Ninety-two Cowboys, I believe. Yes, the ninety-two Cowboys, and I was like, yeah, I watched almost every episode of that show up to two thousand ten. Yeah, um, the editing after that, the editing after that got really lazy because you know, obviously, like they don't quite have the hindsight of what made that team so significant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy to look back from like where we're sitting, look back at the eighty-five Bears, and draw lots of comparisons retrospective and what's up and whatever but mm-hmm. when you have a team that just won last year how much can you write like the, uh, the like the 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 bronco one the 2015 bronco one was okay like it, i i didn't think it, i didn't think it was good um it was just like a bunch of short edits with your typical cliche we gotta work and fight for this kind of bullshit uh, and it's like they did not portray any of that stress that you were describing to me of that oh, season fuck dude just yeah, like, they did like 
they would talk a little bit about, ooh, we got a lot of close calls. But compared to that, like, when I watched the 1985 Bears episode, I really understood how all, how how the 85 Bears team was that time. They got big egos, big tackles, the- uh, big defense. Like, you knew what they were like. I watched the 2015, I watched the 2014 Broncos episode, and I was like, I don't even know what these guys are like. It's just your stereotypical, you know, football episode. The, the, and like, and then, and then, and then there's what you told me of what it was like to be a Denver fan, having a new, had nearly having a stroke at every single game for for like four months, right? And like Peyton Manning getting benched for a month because his foot's fucked up, and like that stress, and like, yeah, I, I remember. What? And then, like the, and then of course you know the bet, and of course you know, like winning the Super Bowl from all those difficulties. Like, you know, the America's game didn't do that. Meanwhile, I watched ninety-two. I watched you know the ninety-two Cowboys survival of the fittest. Yep. Jimmy Johnson, you mess up your job. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter if the team is like having a crazy win record. You mess up, he's gonna get in your face. Yeah, uh, I I think that uh, he's gonna call you out. One the one thing that that America's game did for the twenty fifteen Broncos is it did show how dominant they were in that Super Bowl. Uh, that was the one thing it did. That was, that was they played against the Panthers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember going to that game, everyone being like, Panthers are going to blow them out. Panthers. The bandwagon, the, the, the bandwagon was very strong at the time. Panthers Panthers are 15-1, and one, and they've scored all these points. And I'm just well, like, well, well. The thing was, is like you were having a stroke nearly every game. That's not exactly a strong <coughs> indicator of a, you know, of a team that's gonna, no, you know, no. But the, the, the indicator is kind of like when you were talking about all the strokes you had. It kind of made me think, like, well, yeah. If if I were like if I didn't care about either teams and I knew not, not much about football, I would look at it and be like, well, yeah. Like Denver is always getting with barely getting by. You know, uh, well, these extremely close calls, and the Panthers are just blowing people out. Okay, well, you know, Panthers would win, right? If it weren't for the fact that deep down, I'm like, when teams win too easy, they get too cocky and they don't play well. Um, I think that was part of it, and I also think that um, that Denver defense, with the exception of the two, the the twenty, or sorry, the two thousand Ravens, is the best defense of my lifetime. Uh, and here, uh, here is why. That's like, that's like how your team won, right? Yeah. And, and here, yeah. here, here's why. Um, cause people bring up the 20, you know, the 2013 uh, Seahawks, the 2002 Buccaneers, you know, other defensive teams of the era. And I'm like, okay, the thing is, is the 2002 Buccaneers had an offense. Wasn't a great offense. But it was an offense that could regularly score points and didn't turn the fucking ball over all the time. The 2013, um, 2013, uh, uh, Seahawks, same thing. Not a world beater offense, but could still score points consistently, run the ball very well, uh, and just generally... Uh, and just generally, you know, got the job done. The 2015 Broncos offense, most of the time, was either A, ineffective, or B, actively hurting the team. Case in point, 
That team threw 23 interceptions and 19 touchdowns between two quarterbacks. Didn't, weren't they just lighting up the offense on fire like last the previous year? Mm, two years ago. The previous year okay. in the second half of the season, Peyton started to slow down a bit. Okay. Um, because like I remember like the year where Denver was just like torching the entire league in points per game. Now, the thing is, if you and I remember, there are a couple of games that stand out in my fight. Like you look and you look at their box score for all these games, and all their playoff games are one possession. Uh, all the games they needed to win to get into the playoffs are one possession, except one game where they just molly whopped the Chargers. Um, you know, outside of when they just pummeled the shit out of the Packers and the Chargers, all other games are within one to two possessions. All of them. Every single one. They, they, they beat the Ravens by six on a interception return for a touchdown. They beat the Chiefs by seven on a fumble return for a touchdown. They beat the Lions by 12. They beat the Vikings on a last-minute field goal. They beat the Raiders on an interception referred turn for a touchdown. They beat the Browns by getting a strip fumble, getting a short drive, and getting a field goal. They molly-whopped the Packers. They lost to the Colts. They got the shit kicked out of them by the Chiefs in Kansas. Uh, And that's the game Peyton got hurt. They beat Chicago with a safety. Uh, the Patriots. Just, just, just you reading the game by game. I'm just like, oh, this is why everything is a stroke. The safeties, pa- last second field goals. Just- the the Patriots. They actually scored a lot of points against the Patriots, primarily due to the running game. Uh, and they won on a 60-yard overtime run by C.J. Anderson to win by six. Uh, they beat the shit out of the Chargers. They barely lost to the Raiders. They lost by a touchdown to the Steelers. They won by a field goal against the Bengals. They won by a touchdown against the Chargers when Peyton Manning came back in the second half. Into the playoffs, they won. They did end up winning in the playoffs by uh, seven. Uh, so Patriots, Patriots was the most fucking wasn't a like game that was a heart attack. It was a second half that was a heart attack because they were up by seventeen nothing at half against the Patriots. Okay, the game ended up being twenty to eighteen. The Patriots. Boy. Wait, wait, so at half, the Patriots were up 17, or Denver was? Denver was. Oh, so they nearly lost it there. Okay. What happened was, is the Patriots went for two because they only had a couple seconds left, and they needed a tie. Bradley Roby broke the pa- uh, picked off the pass. There we go. And then they beat the shit out of the Panthers at the Super Bowl. Honestly, that score actually shouldn't be as close as it is. Um... So, yeah. Um, this t- this is the most dominant defense since the 2000 Ravens. Uh, that is the only way to describe it. 
Uh, it is, but nobody's talking about it. But no one talks about it because we're in an era of more points, more points, etc., etc. Yeah, and also because like, oh, it was Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl. You know, whatever. Right, da 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 da. Yeah, um, and that's what, and that's what that show failed to capture because it was like you were telling me all of this, and I'm like, just you reading the score by score and how they barely won in each of those games is stress right there. You, you all, have, most most of most of it. You actually want to talk about one of the funniest stories that I got out of this? So they're playing yeah. Kansas City, uh, and I am in Sacramento in a trip with Ray and Taylor for Taylor's wedding. So, and Taylor and Ray and I are all in the hot tub, but the Broncos game is going on that night, right? Mm-hmm. And there are these dudes on a laptop, like, at the other end of the pool, and, like, you hear them exclaim stuff when stuff happens, so, like, I'm just like, dude, I want to know what's going on with the score. Like, we left our stuff upstairs. Like, we'll find out what's going on with the game. So, like, literally, like, every, like, 30 minutes or so, whenever they hear them yell something, we go, yo, what's going on in the game? <laughs> and they yell back, oh, Denver's up, blah, 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 or Chiefs are up, like, you know, whatever it is. And eventually, after, like, an hour of this, we're like, okay, you know what, whatever. And we just get up and go over to their table and watch the game with them. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's wrap up the rest of these news stories. Uh, Dr. Yep. Dis... Dr. Disrespect is founding a game studio with job listing and has job listings. He wants a partnership with a select list of mega influencers who are closely with the studio to launch their dream game. He's asking for a co-founder and a studio head will manage the studio and develop and publish the game targeting PCs and consoles. Whilst the streamers have dabbled with game development, uh, Beam actually was a former developer who became a full-time streamer, but he isn't without controversy, getting permanently banned from Twitch last year for reasons that were never stated, and, and he has since moved to YouTube, though not under an exclusive contract like he was with Twitch. So, um, that's cool. Um, I mean, Dr. Disrespect is weird as hell. Um, you know, like, straight up, you know, he wants five years as a producer in PC slash console market, demonstrability developing AA or AAA games, reaching at least 100,000 users, strong project management, agile management style, facilitating scrums and sprints. Um, yeah, so, yeah. That's about it. Doesn't list much. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always a really weird fucking streamer, but funny. I don't know how to feel about this. He obviously has the money to throw at it, and he did help develop Call of Duty. So, we'll see. Um, Forza Horizon 5 revealed its full map. It's fucking huge. I sent that to you earlier this week. Uh, let me see. Let me look at the map again. It's, uh, pull up the map and the big volcano. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's got the big. 
The volcano is interesting because I feel like in past Forza maps, there wasn't a lot of hills or mountains to climb mm-hmm. that I can remember, not in three or four at least. Mm-hmm. So the mountain, the mountain is interesting. Uh, I'm sure everyone's going to buy a Toyota 86, put on some Eurobeat and drift. Um, looking forward to a billion of those videos. Let's jump. Uh, yeah, and you got your standard big fat highway that runs across the center. Yep, that's pretty typical. You have lots of fields, so you can go fly about 200 miles an hour through wheat or whatever plantations they have out there. Uh, your typical curvy roads to make races interesting. Uh, you've got various locales. Um, yeah, looks kind of, with the exception of the mountain, kind of looks like your standard uh, Forza Horizon map. Uh, we got to ban some a city, like them. You got a city that doesn't have city grid streets like a city normally would um i use yeah, my ban like- hammer to smite thee sorry people uh asking us to buy followers in the chat gross and uh, we yeah. smite you again okay cool yep um it's a standard Forza Horizon map. I'm sure it has like I'm sure they uh, I'm sure they will talk about like how they've got like a hundred more kilometers of road than ever before. Um, how they put in more diversity than ever before, et cetera. How there's still seasons and whatever. But um, as far as the map layout, it looks like a pretty standard Forza yeah. map. I am I am down for right. more. I am down for more Forza. So. Give it, give me. Yeah, give me. Uh, it's just really a lot of my attention. It's just like I don't really play arcade racing games, uh, except I guess you, I guess there's Mario Kart, maybe one other game, but I I, I don't I don't play. Horizon's good. It just isn't my kind of thing. I just ended up got I ended up getting into some more motorsport stuff in in real life and just um, to do simulations. Look, but Anthony, don't you want to jump a Ferrari over a train? Uh, I mean, it's great for like 10 minutes and then I get tired of it and it's not my thing anymore. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, uh, oh my goodness. Why do I feel like there's a recent game? Co- I don't know. You sent me a video on like PGR2. Yes, that game is so uh, good. And like, Go on. Yeah, I mean, the only one I played was 4. And I was like, for some reason, like, I don't care about arcade games very much, but there's just something about the 2000s era of racing games just... They were accessible, but you can have different types of, re- of realisticness. But it wasn't like you know today, where you either have to be full arcade or full sim. Hmm. Back in the day, it was kind of like a really nice middle. Where if you wanted to be on the more simulation end, you would play Forza Motorsport or Gran Turismo. If you want to be a little bit more on the arcade side, you had PGR. If you want to go full arcade, you had Need for Speed and Burnout. If you want to go really full sim, you had NASCAR Racing 2000, whatever the season number is at the time, and um. Yeah, and whatever. It was a huge diversity of racing games back then. Nowadays, it's either Fast and Furious type games like Need for Speed or full-blown sims like iRacing and and uh, Gran Turismo Sport. Sport. It's just, uh, and I'm kind of like, yeah, so like that had me thinking like, man, it's like if car games these days are not really quite diverse or not as good as they used to be, I, who's going to be, who's going to be playing these video games become car guys later? Because, uh, yeah. Anyways, there's that. Okay, what's next? Uh, so last two stories. A new report says suggests a GTA Trilogy remaster coming this year. The three classic uh, games, GTA 3, <coughs> Vice City, and San Andreas from the PS2, 
uh, will now receive a graphical update. Uh, these games are reportedly being remastered using Unreal Engine and will be a mix of old and new graphics along with quality of life improvements like an updated UI. Kotaku goes on to say the remasters are being handled by Rockstar Dundee, one of the new studios at the company. Eh, okay. Cool. Uh, I like those games. They're very good. I prefer 4 and 5, but uh, still. Um, so. Um, and then lastly... An unopened copy of Super Mario Bros. Sells for $2 million. Um, I'm not really sure how to comment on this. On this. Um, a video game is now worth millions. Yep. Because, you know, like, we're used to houses being worth millions and cars and, and you know, collector cards being worth thousands of dollars. And, like, we're used to things like that, but an actual video game mm-hmm. worth two million. Although I kind of think it might be a little bit, um, it, a little bit of two is, like, because we're kind of, like, in a shortage area where apparently anything that is a shortage can just demand higher prices or something like that for, like, no reason that anyone can understand. I guess. Uh, I, I feel like maybe, you know, it's like when I was like, you know, fuck it, I have money, just buy. Um, I'm not sure if the game inside that box will still work. I don't think they're going to open it, Anthony. I know. <laughs> um, but, 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 like, but if it's, because the thing is, like, uh, well, I don't, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but memory like computer chip memory over time will eventually start losing mm-hmm. its data this mm-hmm. happens with cds this will happen with your hard drives mm-hmm. I mean, uh, eventually if you don't refresh the data on it long enough or back it up it's going to fade out over time mm-hmm. uh and and i don't know eventually and, but the thing is if you don't open it you don't know if it functions or not it, like at least with like a collector car they actually i th- would imagine they would have to start the engine to make sure that you are selling a vehicle that still works to make it worth its value i mean I uh, with this it's kind of like one of those like okay we're gonna need like obviously you can't open it and test if the game works because if it's all if it's unboxed then its value drops to like a thousand dollars on the spot so it's gonna be really interesting how they you know ver how they confirm that this is an authentic um, uh, copy of the game back in the day. Uh, but again, it kind of it kind of has a little bit of that. Um, fuck it, just buy. I've got too much money. Just buy. YOLO. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I understand it because, like, sealed games from that era are really hard to come by because everyone thought these are all for kids. Um, but like. So, like, I get it, but also this is, like, one of the most printed games ever made. So, I don't know. I think there would probably right, be Right, because, like, for something to be collectible, like, if I were to use, like, collectible cars as a reason, mm-hmm. uh, you usually have to meet, like, you don't have to meet all of their criteria, but you need to meet enough of the criteria for something to be collectible. For example, you know, uh, quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, was this item rare, or did you make a billion of it? Because, obviously, my Toyota Corolla is... 
probably not going to be collectible because they sell hundreds of thousands of those cars in uh, yeah they sell like they sold millions of those cars throughout like the last several decades right however mm-hmm. and yet you have a toyota corolla yeah that that uh that initial d drift car yes the iconic food delivery car mm-hmm. that is a toyota corolla that's worth insane is is so important why because it has cultural significance right this is why everybody wants a Nissan Skyline. This is why everybody wants an A6. This is why everybody wants a Chevy Impala. It's or like a '60s Impala. It's because cultural significance. So you have to like meet certain criteria. So you can you can sell like hundreds of thousands, millions of copies of Super Mario Brothers, but cultural significance is huge. Well, yeah, that is. Prob- it's, got, it's, it's got that for it. I, I, there's like other criteria too, such as condition. Is it interesting? Because it can be significant, but if it's not interesting today, nobody's going to care. Like for example, the Wii right now. Probably cultural significant for the 2000s, but nobody cares about it. Well, today. yeah, like Super Mario Bros. is probably the most culturally significant video game of all time. Yeah. So, like, so yeah, they made they made like millions of that. They made millions of copies, but quantity is just one of the aspects of being collectible. So, um, you know, and there, 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 there's other things going into it, but uh, and also like we're at that stage where we're at that 20 year, we're kind of getting to that uh, 15 to 35 year mark when nostalgia starts hitting really hardcore. Because mm-hmm. like Red, like you know, if you think about it, it's the, all those classic cars that we had at the Hot August Nights events. Mm-hmm. When did those get really cool again? They started getting cool again in the 90s, right? Because you've got people who were kids in the 60s who idolized these cars, couldn't afford them. But then, at 30 years later, and a good bank account, a decent bank account, a decent job, and now they can afford these cars again, and now classic cars became cool. And mm-hmm. we're starting to see that with like our generation, because now the 80s and 90s are becoming nostalgia now. You know, so now like stuff like that's why you see a lot of all that like 80s graphics, boxy cars designs, um, you know, old retro display screens. Mm-hmm. That's cool now. Why? Because now we're thinking back to the 80s and 90s and thinking about how things were so simple back then. Mm-hmm. Um, will this be worth $2 million in 2050? Who knows? Probably not. That's like asking if like orchestrated pop is going to make a comeback. Probably not. Um, but, you know, oldies music is, is what, or, you know, 1950s music. Probably not. But right now the 80s and 90s are becoming huge. You know, 80s and 90s cars that are in pristine condition. Yeah, they may have built a billion of these cars in the 1980s, but so many of them went to the junkyard. Currently, few left exist. That's probably another thing is that they probably sold hundreds of millions of this game, and yes, you could play it on your Switch or an emulator of any kind, but how many of these physical copies exist? Because a lot of people probably threw it in the trash. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a kid's thing. I don't care about it anymore. Throw it in there. And I was probably one of those people. Yeah, I, I I think I gave my NES to a family member because I just couldn't connect with that system at all. I'm. It was just a little. It was just a little bit too far back. Too. It, that was just a little too far back for me. You, you are like I'm. I'm a, I'm a late '90s kid. For me, it started with N64, Super Nintendo. I can kind of understand, but like NES was just a little too far back for me. So I gave my NES to a family member. Uh, I'm slightly uh, older than you, so SNES was kind of what I have early memories of. Yeah. Um, if somebody has a pristine, like, first edition print of Mass Effect 1, I probably wouldn't be surprised if I end up spending a couple hundred dollars on that. 
I mean, I could find that for you right now. Like, a, like, 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 like an like an unopened copy first edition print of Mass Effect One, because like the cover of my game is kind of destroyed because I kept winning that case. Like for you, it would be the collector's edition of World of Warcraft, right? So Vanilla much. WoW. Yeah, so much. TBC, fun. right? There you go. Limited quantity, significantly important for its time and right. interesting. So Mass Effect One limited collector's edition, unopened on eBay right now is four hundred and four dollars. Buy it now. Oh yeah, I probably should buy it now, god damn it. <laughs> they yep. had a limited they had a collector's edition? Limited edition on that thing? They did. Wow. Limited collector's edition. Uh yep, as a red box. I remember Andy had one of those, I think. Do not open before eleven two oh seven. Those orange stickers they used to put on the top of three sixty boxes. Uh, do not open. Oh, I remember. I remember that cover. Yeah, it's not as cool as the regular Mass Effect cover because the regular Mass Effect cover is such an amazing movie poster. It's the best thing ever. That's how game cover art should be. Uh, Anyways. let's see how much uh, a World of Warcraft. All right, so I'm gonna see how much a World of Warcraft one is. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> it got worse, didn't it? Way worse. But we didn't have money back then, and we have money now. I didn't even know that thing existed. Um, yeah, hold on. So let me let me read this thing here. It says like new. What's that mean? Codes have probably been used. Yeah, the codes have been used. Um. All right, so. Twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Fucking lord. Now part of that's because. Hello, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just yeah. reading up with this Mass Effect Limited Collector's Edition because I'm actually kind of a little serious about this. Uh, now part of that is because it has codes in it that you can use to get exclusive shit in game. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the baby Diablo and the, the, and some other pet, but holy shit, that is insane. Then there's this person who has all the collector's editions up to, it looks like, Wad? Yeah, like new was taken out of shrink wrap, but no visible wear and tear. Alright, so vanilla open, key used, key never linked to Balnet, some items still sealed, open, some items still sealed, open, some items still sealed, open, um, and then Mr. Pandaria unopened. Wow. Shame, that dude missed out on that's, a deal. But that's the thing, right? Nostalgia happens. Like the 80s and 90s is like 30 or 40 years ago now. I mean, but this for you, a, like, but like for you and me, we were kind of a little later. So for us, it's like maybe two thousands, early two thousands. Well, yeah, this there. also. In but the, like we reached that age where like people like us have money to just splurge, to just kind of bring a little bit back of our childhoods. I mean, to be fair, I did that. It's nostalgia, nostalgia. I mean, yeah, you can get a Halo Three Legendary Edition, uh, brand That's new the helmet. That's the helmet. That's the helmet right. and the making of DVDs yeah. and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, sealed new for four fifty. Um, what about Halo Reach Legendary Edition? I I have the statue and the box, but not all the other stuff that came in it. Um, 
Pre-owned, pre-owned. I want new. Oh, that's the statue by itself. Mm. They have the Legendary Edition Guide. Okay, so yeah, uh, Halo Sealed, brand, Halo Legendary Reach, Legendary Edition, brand new sealed, uh, 885. Oh, here we go, 600. Um, I think that's probably the best you're getting. Damn. Uh, okay. Though, to be fair, I'd want to display this. I have, if I didn't already have it, I would want to display the statue, so I'd be opening it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. this is like, I'm not really exactly buying this to keep it in a box. I'm buying it because to open it and just kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, experience what it was like to open such a thing back in the day. Uh, so, uh, no, we'll see. We'll see if I'm serious enough to actually buy this Mass Effect Limited I'll, Collector's Edition. I don't think anything that from that generation, unless it's like something from an MMORPG, is ever going to hit like above a grand because it was just so mass printed and someone kept it in speculation. Because... Yeah, well, well, the thing is, like, yeah, because like back, well, the thing is, yeah, and like I have like the. Um, Limited edition or collector's edition of um, Need for Speed, Most Wanted, and Need for Speed Carbon. Mm-hmm. I'm sure nobody gives a shit because it's just a game with two extra cars and a making of DVD. Right. Mm, there's really nothing collectible about it. The games were... And you could just go into Best Buy and just buy it. This wasn't that, this wasn't like the Uncharted Three Collector's Edition where you just couldn't like just where it was a limited print or something like that. It's not some digital deluxe edition where you could just sell as many copies as you want. Um, it, it was limited in some way. So like, and of course, like Need for Speed, they sold millions of those copies. It was not exact. I mean, it's getting a little more important now. People are starting to do more retrospectives on how cool that BMW and Most Wanted was, but it's not like you only got like two or three cars in game. You could just get a mod and stick those cards in if you wanted to. Um, That's not special. The WoW edition stuff, though, I don't know. I look at Cataclysm and I'm just thinking, like, maybe I should have bought that damn thing when Bronson put it right in front of me and says, make your decision. Well, now. they have I a said, sealed no. Cataclysm right here for 109 Um, Maybe it's good that people aren't, like, heavily valuing Cataclysm. <laughs> uh, I found a... I don't know if this is... This can't be true. Because normally this thing goes for way more, but a sealed Wrath of the Lich King is currently for one forty two fifty with only a day left to bid on. It's fucking no way. Uh, it's too good to be true. It might be. Everybody's just offloading all their Blizzard shit because of the bad news. Well, that's the thing. People are very emotional, right? Just finally complete my collector's edition set that way. Um. Oh God. Oh, I don't know, like. I don't know. Maybe that's how I kind of look at it. It's just like, man, is there these cars that I want to buy, but I can't buy them because the used car market's so hot. So maybe I should wait until people don't have money and then they want to sell said card, then I can get it. That's how I nearly got my video card, but someone got to it first. 
Um, oh yeah, I don't well, know. If it, I don't know if the bubble's gonna pop, but maybe like realistically, it calms down. But if it pops, that usually takes a really that would be a really bad shock. That <sighs> bound to happen eventually. This is what they do. The the. You know, this was actually brought up during uh, a movie I watched recently called Margin Call. Also about the 2008 financial fuck-up. Which, this this happens every fucking 10 to 30 years or so. Depending on what happens. Is it grows, it grows, it grows, and the monster grows too fucking big, and it can't be sustained, and then a bunch of fucking rich assholes get golden parachutes, and then the rest of society just gets fucked. Okay. Um, and that's, that's kind of what is, that's, that's what happens when those crashes happen. Uh, anyway, that aside, uh, oh, I forgot one last thing for the week before we close it out. Um, let's, uh, before we close it out, which is, uh, I watched that new Disney Plus series, the first episode of it. Marvel uh, What If thing? Marvel What If, uh, where they take a bunch of like famous Marvel uh, stories, uh, you know, like Captain America, the first Avenger, and turn it into okay. new or different stuff. So the first one was what if Peggy Carter had got injected with the serum? And became Captain British, and then uh, the and the allies got the Tesseract. So Howard Stark was able to build an early Iron Man suit for Steve Rogers. Um, and then they're gonna be they're gonna be doing a bunch of stories with this shit. Like one of them is going to be what if Spider Man were the Sorcerer Supreme? What if Yondu adopted the Black Panther instead of Peter? All kinds of weird shit. That is weird, okay. But uh, I watched the first episode, and that was very okay. That was, like, if that was on television, I probably would have sat and watched it. Like, on TV, if I caught it on cable. But I didn't love it. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, I... Don't think that anyone should like be go screaming to watch it unless you're a real big Marvel fan. So yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Versus what I was saying with Loki, which is dear God, please soon as possible. Fine. Fine. Uh anyway, I think that's it for the show. Ran a little about an hour yeah. longer than normal. Um you know, it always does this though. Like I would kind of like walk in and be like, "Man, there's not much to talk about, right?" Three hours later. Three hours later. Mm. In this case, almost four hours later. Jesus. Anyway, guys, we love you. You have a good day. Bye. See ya.